The weather, sunny spells at first, rain later. Top temperature, 16 degrees Celsius. That's 61 degrees Fahrenheit. More news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. Thank you, Catherine. There we go. So professional. So much more professional than I am. See how she coped with that little test? Good morning, dear listener. This is Ian Lee. It's BBC Three Counties Radio. It's Tuesday, the 25th of September. Plenty on the show this morning, and lots that I think you're going to want to talk about. From midnight, one of the biggest campaigns against abortion will take place in Milton Keynes. Is abortion ever justified? We'll be hearing both sides of the story. Andrew Mitchell is in the news again for swearing at coppers. Who do you believe? Him or the police? And I'm sleeping in the loft. Does sleeping in separate rooms strengthen relationships? You can text me 81333, start your text 3CR, or you can give me a call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Reaching over for the Telegraph. This, this Andrew Mitchell story fascinates me. This is the chief whip that, that possibly may or may not have sworn at police officers, may or may not. It's interesting, isn't it, that, that the swearing doesn't seem to be the problem with this story. It's the use of the word pleb. Is, uh, it, it seems to be the problem. And of course, for those who don't know, a pleb, a pleb is kind of, If you call someone a pleb, you're showing you're superior over them and you're speaking down to them as though they were an idiot uh, and worthless. So it it's, would appear that the, the major problem isn't that, that he may or may not have used bad language, but that he may have spoken down to police officers. Can I be honest? We've all... I, I've got a lot of respect for the police. I think the police are fantastic. We've all, though, met coppers who are a little bit up themselves, haven't we? A little bit too big for their britches, haven't we? I'm not saying it's right to speak to police in a derogatory way. Of course it's not. But sometimes you just want to shake them and say, come on, guys, speak to me like a human being. But the the, the Telegraph has got, supposedly, uh, the actual, the whole rant, and we'll have a little look at that later on and see if we can find it. Who do you believe in this story? Who do you believe? Someone is lying. It's either the coppers or it's Andrew Mitchell. It's one of the two. So who do you believe? 08459 455 555. And I'm not, we're not trying Andrew Mitchell or anything. What he said. Someone is telling a porky pie here, aren't they? Now, my natural instinct, of course, is to, um, go with the, the the police but then again we've heard stories recently haven't we of police kind of lying and covering things up i'm talking about hillsborough and that's raised a few doubts in people's minds about who to believe so just your gut feeling who do you believe the police or andrew mitchell 08459 Four double five, five double five. Or you can text eight one three double three. Start your text three CR. Do you find the word pleb offensive? I, 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 well, I'll let you know kind of what side I'm falling on in terms of this uh, in a little bit. But I'm keen to hear your opinions first. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double. Uh, no, hang on. What's the phone number again? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Where are we going to next? It's not the track. We're going to do the the next. It is the track. Oh, the, I need to queue this up. Then we're going to do the item. There's nothing in my computer. Is that okay? 
And that's why I was hesitating. It's going to be one of those mornings. We were all a little bit... Well, that's not in the place now. We were all a little bit cockshaw this morning, going, well, aren't we, uh, aren't we in, in, in fine form? It, it would appear we're not. It appear we're very shambolic and all over the place. Let's have a little rethink. And while we're having a rethink, we'll listen to Billy Joel, shall we? OK, I think we've sorted out the problem. It turns out... I'm an idiot. <laughs> That's all it was. That's all it was. Very, very simple. There's not really an obvious solution to it, but, but I'm an idiot. Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Now, from midnight tonight, one of the biggest campaigns against abortion will take place. Protesters will stand outside abortion clinics in 316 locations worldwide, 24 hours a day for 40 days, including in Milton Keynes. Andy Burton is leading the Milton Keynes campaign. He told Toby Friedner on our Sunday breakfast programme why the protest was going ahead. Have a listen. Well, specifically, we're doing it in Milton Keynes because um, the abortion clinic at Acorn House, on, which is 100 metres away from the most iconic church in Milton Keynes, which is called Christ the Cornerstone, are actually doing a seven-day service, seven days per week. Like, um, on Sunday, they're open nine to five, uh, killing the Milton Keynes children, our future congregations of the 120 churches that surround that abortion clinic. And I looked at those, I just felt God was telling me, what on earth is this um, abortion clinic operating seven days a week for when it's surrounded by 120 churches that are living in complete harmony? Well, Andy will be joining me in the studio uh, later on, and uh, if you want to give your views on that, do give us a call, 08459 455 555. But let's go back to it before abortions were legalised, because, as we all know, they were still happening. Justin Dealey has been to meet Sally. She's now 90 years old and carried out an abortion on herself. Sally, going back to the 1940s, you did have an abortion. It was an illegal abortion, and it's still something which haunts you every single day, doesn't it? Yes, it does really, because losing my son, I think I was being punished. And uh, I also have a daughter-in-law and she had a, an abortion, but hers was legal and she she still regrets it really. But you must have been absolutely desperate. I, I can't imagine the pain and suffering that you went through, but, but you must have been absolutely desperate to do that. Well, Justin, I was in, we were living in two two rooms... And uh, I'd already had two cots in the bedroom. And we we were hard up. We just couldn't afford another one. So I was pretty desperate. But I've re- have regretted it since I've lost my son. And, and just try and describe, without being too graphic here, but, but just try and describe the pain that you went through because this was illegal. You did this with a syringe. You did it yourself in a room. Yeah. The pain must have been just unbearable. Well, it wasn't too bad. And, and as soon as everything came away, I did go to the doctors and to have a check-up and he just told me that I'd had... Um, a miscarriage, and, and I went to the hospital to be thoroughly checked out. So I didn't tell them the truth because I was a bit ashamed of it, really. Although it was my husband's child, it wasn't uh, anyone else's, but uh, we just couldn't afford it. I find it very, very interesting what you're saying. You're saying that, that you regretted it. Uh, yours was illegal. Somebody in your family had an abortion as well, which was legal. They also regretted it. We're going to be talking to a man later on on The Breakfast Show who who wants abortion to be illegal once again. And he's going to really fight for this. Do you think that in this country it's about time it was made illegal again? 
Well, it's going to start the backstreet abortionists again, isn't it? As far as you're concerned, whether it's legal or illegal, abortion will always be here in this country. Mm, certainly will, especially more so these days. You know, they start so young. Well, it's an emotive subject and we will be talking about it later on and we'll be speaking to Andy Burton, who is leading uh, the campaign against abortion in Milton Keynes. If you want to have your say, you can send us a text, 81333, start your text 3CR, or give us a call, 08459 455555. Uh, uh, 08459 And uh, you can have your say about that. It's certainly going to be an emotive uh, subject. <laughs> Good morning, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 6.15, Tuesday the 25th of September. These are your headlines this morning. A six-week-long abortion demonstration by Christian group 40 Days for Life begins in Milton Keynes at midnight tonight. American justice officials have welcomed the decision by the European Court of Human Rights to allow the radical Muslim cleric Abu Hamza and four other terrorist suspects to be extradited from Britain to the United States. In sport, it's been confirmed there'll be a tribute to the Spanish golfer Sevi Ballesteros during this week's competition at Medina, west of Chicago. We'll have weather coming up in a few minutes. And also, this morning, we're looking at the disruption caused to commuters by the Luton-Dunstable guided busway. Find out more after 6.30. BBC Three Counties Radio. Everyone loves a little bit of buble, don't they? Even, come on, even you hard-nosed cynics, you love a bit of buble. That bit is a bit silly, though, isn't it? Now, this story just won't go away, will it? The row between the politician Andrew Mitchell and the police continues to rumble on. The official police log of a confrontation between the government chief whip, Andrew Mitchell, and officers in Downing Street last week has now been published in full by the Daily Telegraph. We've got it here. We'll have a look at it in a bit. The log tallies with early reports that Mr Mitchell swore at the police and described them as plebs. But the government chief whip says he didn't swear at police and denies calling them plebs. Over now to our political correspondent, Paul Scoynes. Morning, Paul. Morning. Paul, this, this gets, goes on and on. The, the saga between the police and the politician continues to rumble on. Where can it go next? Well, Andrew Mitchell uh, was alleged to have said in this police log, you haven't heard the last of this as he rode off. And uh, I think, unfortunately for him, he hasn't heard the last of this. He apologised yesterday, well, around 8 o'clock yesterday morning. And I don't know if you call it an apology. It was, it was uh, you know, an apology for... Uh, for certain areas and uh, he still denied you know that certain things were said i think from what nick robinson was being saying the bbc's political editor it looks like he's apologized for the swear words but um denies using words like pleb um and that for some is is the more offensive of the terms actually because of the sort of connotations i suppose it has about class and the impact it could have on the uh, the government because of its sort of already uncomfortable um assertions that it is a you know to quote nadine dorries one of our local mps uh, a group of posh boys so it is difficult and it's it's going to be hard now to see that he's not going to have to come out and make another statement about this so what if this is the official log which i think we can presume it is and i've read through the piece last night and and it is pretty damning you know it does seem that you know if that if you know who, who are you going to believe are you going to believe the policeman or are you going to believe the politician well this is some of it here but mr, mr. mr. mitchell said best learn your 
flipping place. I'm censoring this slightly, obviously. Yes. You don't run this flipping <laughs> government. You're flipping plebs. It is quite yeah. a rant, isn't it? And it's interesting that it isn't the swear words. It's not the swear words that, that are being picked out. It is this this pleb. But Paul, it's all right for us or others to call the Tories toffs and you know make points about their class. But it seems it's inappropriate for them to do it the other way around. Why is that? How offensive is the, the word pleb? Well, just looking up in the dictionary, I've managed to dist out a, a, a dusty dictionary here, and um, pleb, according to this one, says it's a, a, an often derogatory, a common vulgar person, is what it's, it's defined. Oh, it's from plebeian, and that is of characteristic of common people, especially those of ancient Rome, uh, lacking refinement, philistine or vulgar, one of the common people. It's not really very nice, and it's certainly not really the sort of language that you would expect to hear from the cabinet secretary, who is ultimately in charge of keeping ministers in check, and making sure they don't go off the rails. Now, you know, he did have a long day, um, although the Sun reports that he'd had a long lunch at a, um, at a, at a, a curry house in London. So, I, I, you know, it, I think it's more the connotation about class that is more offensive for people here. And it's putting the police up against the politicians. Mm. And, uh, you know, the Police Federation have been very critical about this, and some people have been saying that that's because they're politically motivated, but they've been calling for Andrew Mitchell to, to, to resign. It, it now seems that, you know, someone's going to have to make uh, a statement about this higher up. Um, we've heard various kind of um, messages of support from the Prime Minister. He's uh, given uh, the, he, his colleague his full backing, um, and, you know, people have read into that as they will. You know, yesterday, Vince Cable at the Liberal Democrat conference was was making jokes about the word pleb, um, and I don't know whether or not it was, that was a dig or whether or not it was sort of designed to try and diffuse the situation. Interestingly, one of our local MPs, who's usually pretty outspoken against uh, the government, and as I mentioned, you know, Nadine Dorries did mention uh, that she thought that uh, David Cameron and George Osborne were, were uh, arrogant posh boys, but she said yesterday that the... Uh, policemen and, and had accepted Andrew Mitchell's original apology uh, and that they should draw a line under it at that point. And I think within government there's a feeling that this is really just being pushed on by the media uh, and that it's a story, you know, involving the Westminster bubble, if you like, that people have lost sight, of, you know, the journalists have lost sight of what, what's really really important and this is just a uh, a good a good ruck that we can uh, get our teeth into. It's not I'm a not resigning sure it is incident, anymore. is it, though? He's not going to have to resign over this, is he? Well, I, I, you know what? I'm not sure. I don't know. If it, if it rumbles on and becomes as caustic as it could do, then who knows? Um, I certainly feel that, you know, it, it was possibly a, a heat of the moment uh, sort of rant. He probably wasn't thinking. He was very frustrated maybe after a long day and said some things he now will absolutely regret. It, I mean, he's still not admitted the use of certain words. He said that, you know, he, he's not used certain words. So we don't know still whether now he'll have to react to this police log because the police log did seem fairly kind of, um, you know, pretty definitive. So if if it is what it is to believe, and there hasn't been any um, embellishment by the police officer, and who's to say there would be? I mean, you know, I'm not I'm not saying that, but... but you know, if if we have to take it at face value and we know we think it's true, then it does look pretty bad. Paul, listen, thank you very much. Paul Scoynes, our political uh, reporter there, talking about... Well, it does come down to who do you believe, doesn't it? Someone in this story 
is lying. And if David Cameron has come down on the side of Andrew Mitchell, doesn't that mean he's saying that he thinks the police that defend him and Downing Street are lying? Because someone has to be lying. Mitchell's saying he didn't say some of these words. The police saying, well, actually, yeah, you did. So I'm asking you, as the listener, who do you believe? Do you believe Andrew Mitchell, Chief Whip, his nickname's Thrasher, by the way, because when he was at school, he used to thrash the younger kids. Yeah, that's true. Or do you believe the coppers? 08459 455 555. Who do you believe? We've had a text from Dave in Luton. Uh, it says, Ian, who do we believe? I don't believe trust anybody now. MPs, police, doctors, etc. What have doctors done, Dave? I believe doctors for the most part. 08459 455 555. Would you be offended by the word pleb? Two points here. Does the word pleb offend you? And who do you believe? Andrew Mitchell or the police? Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Catherine. Coming up on the show, we'll be talking about the busway in Luton. We'll be um, speaking to to some uh, anti-abortion campaigners who are adamant that it is a sin. And they'll be holding protests all over the country, but specifically for us uh, in Milton Keynes. Uh, And I want your views on that. 08459 455 555. And this whole Andrew Mitchell thing. Who do you believe? Him or the police? Text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Bit of Barry White. Get you going in the morning, eh? <laughs> How could such an unsexy man make such sexy music? That's the question that's often uh, bothered me. Good morning, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, this morning we're looking at the disruption caused to commuters by the Luton Dunstable guided busway. The £89.2 million project, let me just say that again, £89.2 million project will link Luton and Dunstable via a guided bus route. Councils say it will provide speed and efficiency in areas that we know are plagued by congestion. However, that congestion is now much worse and people are not very happy. I think basically it's a waste of money, to be honest, because I think if they would have put a bypass through Dunstable, the normal bus route would have been absolutely fine. And I just think it's wasting money and the money should have gone on a bypass. So a load of rubbish. Why can't a bus driver steer a bus? Why did they go to all the trouble of taking up a railway line and dis- or causing all this disruption when they could have done, done a revamped job on the railway? It'd be useless because I've been told it's going to be six pound return on it. It's a good question. Why can't a bus driver steer? <laughs> then there's the cost. In June, concerns were raised by councillors about the spiralling costs of the Luton to Dunstable guided busway. While the council say they're on budget at just under £90 million, Luton Borough Council and Central Bedfordshire Council were already facing a £4 million shortfall and further exposure to at least £2.6 million, which in time could easily rise. Conservative councillor Mike Garrett, vice chair of the Overview and Scrutiny panel, told BBC Three Counties at the time that he's extremely concerned that the busway will make a huge financial uh, will be a huge financial mistake. We all know that there isn't the finance available now that used to be years ago, and to actually embark on a project which it could now lead us into financial ruin, to me is, well, it's unthinkable that this sort of thing can happen. I wouldn't like to even think now of what is going to happen if we don't meet those targets. Personally, I don't think they can. They've told me similar sort of stories that, um, that everything is going to be OK. I can't see that happening. I really do hope that I am proved wrong. But unfortunately, 
I don't think I am going to be proved wrong. My visions of what is going to happen don't come to pass. Sandra lives where, behind where the busway is being built, and in June she spoke to our reporter, Jessica Cooper, about the disruption the busway has caused to her life. We're in your garden, Sandra, and we're just walking up to the back here because the size of your garden has changed. Yes, it's changed dramatically. Um, we've lost about 20 foot of our garden, and obviously we've lost um, lots of bushes, and secure, from a security point of view, we've lost a lot of security, whereas before you wouldn't be able to get near our back fence. Now we're exposed. And that, that part of the garden you've lost is due to the busway running along the back of your fence? Yes, yes, basically. It runs directly at the back of the house which I'm not very happy about because obviously nobody wants to have a bus going right the way on the back of the garden when you moved into a lovely place with a lovely out view. Changes. It is big changes and not for the better. Fred also lives near the busway. He says he never liked the idea of the build and while it's causing disruption now, he believes it will cause even more when it's built. When the buses go by, take it in the evening. You're going to get flashing lights and things go by. And people in their kitchen, in their bathroom, in their bedroom, going to, what's that, what's that, what's that? Flashing by. And right from the beginning, I'm sure people at Dunstable have said, what a waste of money. And it, it certainly is. Well, later on in the show, we'll be speaking to residents of Dunstable about their views on the busway. If it affects you, could you give us a call, please, and let us know? 08459 455. Five double five. Maybe you think it's the worst thing that could have happened at nearly £90 million. It's a complete waste of money, and they could have done something better with it. Or perhaps you're looking forward to it, and you think, yeah, no, this is, this is good. This is what we should be doing, investing in our road system and moving things on. 08459 455 555. And later on in the show, Councillor Dave Taylor from Luton Borough Council will be in the studio to give us the facts on the budget, timescale and disruption that the busway has caused to Luton and Dunstable. So if you've got a question for him, get in touch now. 81333, start your text 3CR, or call 08459 455 555. And you can call us about any of the things we're talking about this morning. It'd be nice to hear from you. Here's Boston, more than a feeling. It's Boston, more than a feeling. Good morning, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio, 0845 Five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. Lots and lots on the show this morning that I, I know you'll want to have your say on. We're talking about the uh, the busway that's being built, the Luton Dunstable uh, busway that's being built at a cost of nearly ninety million pounds. That seems incredible. Uh, Gary's in Cambridge. Good morning, Gary. Morning. You've you've got one of these busways already, haven't you, in Cambridge? Yes, we have. Um... I'm just driving along the A14 going from St Ives to Cambridge. We've actually got one of these bus routes that takes us from St Ives into Cambridge. It also goes other other places. £90 million. This one, I don't know, I can't say that I know the exact price for this one when it started up, but it went well over budget. It took twice the amount of time they was hoping to build it in well over budget and no one for the amount of people that use it it's ridiculous no one hardly ever uses it really do, do you, do, have you ever been on it Gary no I've never been on it I've never been on it the only good thing that I've ever heard about it is no. uh, it's for push boys can get along the side of it <laughs> that's an expensive cycle route isn't it just and it, like, like there was a guy on earlier why, why do they need to build it the way they've done they could just, if they go to spend that much money on it just put a flat road in they put these guide rails in like you know that the buses need to go down on 
I mean, what, you know, if, if you're a bus driver, surely you're a qualified man to drive in a straight line. It does, having, it does slightly, slightly, slightly odd, Gary, that they put in these devices so that bus drivers don't have to turn a steering wheel. But £90 million, what could they do in the hospitals or in the schools with that? It's just outrageous. Gary, thank you very much. Gary lives in Cambridge, where they've got their own busway. He says that no-one uses it. What do you think about this Luton Dunstable one? You, you, do you think it's a good idea? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. It's six forty-five. It's Tuesday, the twenty-fifth of September. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. Christian group Forty Days for Life begin a six-week-long anti-abortion campaign outside a Milton Keynes clinic from midnight tonight. American justice officials have welcomed the decision by the European Court of Human Rights to allow the extradition of the radical Muslim cleric Abu Ham and four other terrorist suspects to the United States. In sport, at Cricket's 2020 World Cup, the West Indies have qualified for the Super 8 stage and a match against England takes place on Thursday. Uh, the weather for beds, hearts and bucks. Sunny spells at first, rain later, top temperature is 16 degrees. And coming up, from midnight tonight, one of the biggest campaigns against abortion will take place in Milton Keynes. We'll speak to the leader of the Milton Keynes campaign after 7am. BBC Three Counties Radio. Robbie Williams, Candy. Very bouncy pop song, isn't it? Well done, you, sir. Thank you. Uh, well, isn't that interesting we're talking about that? Because I have been kicked out of uh, my bedroom in my house uh, and sentenced to the loft. This is because, now I'm doing this job, I'm up at 4am and my wife is up at a decent time of like maybe 5.30 uh, with the kids. And so I get sent upstairs so that I don't wake her up or the kids up in the morning. I'm allowed back at weekends, right? And initially, I was a bit, oh, well, that doesn't seem very fair. <laughs> that but now, part of the, sort of the, getting into week three of it, I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, this is wicked. Because I can listen to the radio in bed. I can read a little bit without being told, well, you've got to turn that light off. Can you turn the radio off, please? I'm trying to... It's kind of like having my own little bachelor pad, except I'm not really allowed to bring, you know, girls home <laughs> and get pizza sent upstairs. But does sleeping in rooms weaken or strengthen relationships? Do you live with, with your, your wife, your husband, your partner, but you've got separate beds or separate rooms? Because sometimes you see it, don't you? You sit in films where they've got two single beds in the same room. That's a little bit weird. Like, that's, that's a little bit odd. But sleeping in separate rooms... I'm kind of beginning to think it's the way forward. Who is that? There's that, um, the film director who did uh, Edward Scissorhands, whose name always escapes me, and his wife. Uh, He directs all the films that Johnny Depp is in. Tim Burton, that's it. And his wife, they live in separate houses. They have a house, two houses side by side. There's a little door. They go, you know, they, they go in, have a little bit of, you know, whatever, nookie. And then they'll go back into their own separate houses. That sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Phone up and tell me your story. 08459 455 555. Do you sleep in separate beds or indeed separate rooms? Well, our reporter, Justin Dealey, is uh, out in the streets of Luton finding out what's happening. Justin, what's going on? Hello, Ian. I have to say, I had a conversation last year with my partner, uh, exactly like, like you and your partner. It was actually my idea. I said, look, do you know what? I'm up early in the morning. You're going to bed late at night. You work late at night. Let's have separate beds. Well, mm. that conversation lasted all of about five seconds. It was a no. Was she having none of it? Having absolutely none of it at all. Because this was my 
wife's idea, and I was mm. a bit, oh, if you insist. But now, yeah. three weeks into it, Justin, I'm really enjoying <laughs> it. I get the whole bed to myself. Oh, we can come around for a nice party around again. <laughs> sounds sounds <laughs> yes, great. Please. Well, hey, uh, well, I have been talking to Mick in Luton, and like you, Ian, uh, he and his partner, they have separate beds. Take a listen to this. Um, medical reasons purely, I have uh, sleep apnea, and uh, my wife has one lung and suffers from cramps. We end up upsetting one another during the night. Do you miss her at night, though? I'm 62 year old, not really. <laughs> <laughs> you said that, not me, by the way. So, so when did you start having separate beds, then? Uh, about 12 months ago. Hmm. We put it off and put it off and put it off. I um, mean, eventually we had to do it. So when you first did it, was it a bit of a shock for you? No, it was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> it really was very, very um, good, sort of straight away. You just flopped into it. I've room to move around without kicking horses, <laughs> jump around the bed if you want to. Because some people may say you're not a real couple uh, unless you sleep in the same bed. You would argue, in actual fact, that's not the case because we do love each other very much, but we just can't sleep in the same bed for the reasons that you've already mentioned. Yeah, no, she's definitely the love of my life. And lastly, let me just ask you this. You're saying you did it 12 months ago. When you did it and it, it worked for you, did you think to yourself, I wish we'd done this years ago? Uh, yeah. We shouldn't have put it off as long as we did. But um, I didn't fancy doing it in the beginning, and neither did she. Sort of, i.e., galloping out of the marriage bed, if you like. By the way, I kept the big bed. (laughs) (laughs) And um, it was just one of these things, and we said, right, well, we'll try it for a while and see what happens. That's the way we went into it, trying it for a week, or I think we said, we'll try it for a month and see how it worked out. She went into spare room which was a tip, I might add. So then I ended up with a load of work trying to sort the room out after the month. <laughs> See, I'm listening to this, Justin, and mm. he's obviously in love with his missus. They, they've yeah. got a fantastic relationship that is, if anything, strengthened by them being in separate rooms. Yes, yeah. I, I know. I, I think to a lot of people, that, that they would initially think separate beds with your partner. No. Don't get that at all. But you've heard the story there from Mick, who says that, in his words, he flopped into it at first. He wasn't quite sure about it. Now he's really enjoying it. And, yeah, you're right, Ian. If anything, their relationship is now a lot, lot stronger. Justin, I'm a, I'm a lot older than you. I'm nearly 40. I've got two kids. Mm. The days of us having Bunky Bunky at home, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it, it, it's a, you know, it's, it's a yeah. rare thing. You, a, you want that separate house, don't you? That's what you want. Oh, the man. house next door. You would love that, Ian. I would totally love it. I could play Xbox whenever I wanted. I could watch time travel movies whenever I wanted. Get yeah. pizzas delivered. It would be wonderful. Yeah, cheese and pepperoni for me, by the way. And, <laughs> and all, you, you should come round. And also, it's, it's getting cold now at, at night. It's, it's winter. My wife is is one of a, a terrible duvet hogger. Mm. She just constantly takes all the duvet, so I've got nothing. Upstairs, luxury. Justin, it's luxury. Well, you know, Ian, you mentioned last week we have got something in common. We are both tall and very, very handsome, obviously. But being tall, <laughs> yes. but being tall means we've got long legs. Yep. So I'm, I'm yep. like the Peter Crouch of Hemel Hempstead, <laughs> so my legs are dangling out of the bed. If anything, this would work in her favour, my partner's favour, but no, she is saying, no, people would just laugh. If we had separate beds, people would just laugh. I'm getting, I've got an idea here, Justin. Why don't you come and sleep in the loft with me? <laughs> we could drive into work together. Be yeah. awesome. Oh, it's an offer I can't refuse. <laughs> Justin, thank you very much. Justin Dealey there. What would the... Tell me your story. Do you sleep in separate beds? I think it's more common than perhaps we, we assume. 
Be honest, won't judge you. 08459 455 555. Or maybe you think it's the worst idea that could ever, ever happen and it would totally ruin your relationship. 08459 455 555. Now, we're talking uh, about the busway, the Luton to Dunstable busway. We've got Richard on the line. Richard has lived in Dunstable since the 40s. Good morning, Richard. <laughs> Good morning. How has your life been affected by this guided bus? Well, the misguided busway. Um, oh. Yes, again, just this weekend, Luton Council have decided to close off Dunstable with yet another road closure uh, of the uh, 505 going into Luton. So we couldn't get to either Sainsbury's or Tesco's without uh, um, going round through Houghton Regis, which is a black spot at the best of times. Uh, the, the whole idea, an 89 million and still counting uh, with a large cost front. How they persuaded central council councillors it would be a good eye for Dunstable um, is beyond me. I, I, you know, it's never been a tradition of Lutonians to visit Dunstable. Um, but Richard, you're, Richard, you're not thinking ahead. Once this is done, the, the promise has been made that it's going to reduce traffic. Uh, yeah, right. Um, you, you, you have an anti-car Labour government in Luton um, that it won't reduce traffic. The whole concept of it is totally... Um, the way that it's been set up is illogical because it's got a an old bus, uh, the old railway track to follow. It's got a few stops that is completely out of the way for many, many people. Um, all this... Um, I ask, how many bags can you carry on and off a bus to trudge quite some distances, sometimes miles, home? That's the logical part of it. Um, the cost overrun um, is, is unmanageable. It's, it's to the detriment of Dunstable taxpayers who, who already pay a heavy price in council tax here. Luton make vast profits from their airport, and if there's any cost overrun, it should come out of that. They've obviously got money to squander because they um, they they paid for this their misguided pop concert. They the Love Luton Festival that we, we've spoken about extensively. Richard, thank you very much. That's Richard in Dunstable. He's not a fan. I, I'm keen to make this not one-sided. So if you think. It's a great idea, this busway. Can you give us a call? You, you'll, you'll jump straight to the front of the queue. Thank you, Sophie. Good morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Plenty to talk about this morning. Separate beds, abortion and the Luton Dunstable busway. All that and more after the latest news and sport with Catherine Boyle. This is Ian Lee. It's just gone seven o'clock on Tuesday, the 25th of September. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Plenty coming up in the next hour, including from midnight, one of the biggest campaigns against abortion will take place in Milton Keynes. I'm asking, is abortion ever justified? Andrew Mitchell is in the news again for swearing at coppers. Who do you believe? Him or the police? And also, I'm sleeping in the loft. Does sleeping in separate rooms strengthen or weaken relationships? There's plenty of ways you can get in touch on all of these stories. You can email 3cr at bbc.co.uk. You can text 81333, starting your text 3CR. Or you can give us a call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Now, from midnight tonight, one of the biggest campaigns against abortion is going to take place. Protesters will stand outside abortion clinics in 316 locations worldwide, 24 hours a day for 40 days, uh, including in Milton Keynes. Andy Burton is leading the Milton Keynes campaign and joins me in the studio. Good morning, Andy. Good morning. Andy, why are you holding this protest and why for 40 days? Well, I'm holding it specifically in Milton Keynes because we've got a big issue with a apathy and b the number of children that are dying in milton Keynes. the latest figures from the um, department of health suggest that it's a thousand and eighteen children that died in 2010 that's our latest figure so just just to clarify for some people who may be confused these are fetuses that have been aborted uh, these are these are unborn children that okay. are aborted. Yep. thousand and eighteen is the latest statistic in Milton Keynes alone. And as we know, j- the whole of the UK, it's six hundred abortions take place per day. Mm. So horrific figures. Horrific How many numbers. people are you expecting to, to come for this protest? Well, it's a good question. I'm, I'm very thankful to uh, the, the Bishop of Northampton, our Bishop uh, Peter Doyle, who's. Um, asked all of the catholic churches that can uh get to me to support me and get behind me in this mm. luton good council have been very good as uh, as have the people that went to the walsingham um uh, bus t- trip to our lady of guadalupe on sunday they they came down to me last night and signed uh, declarations of peace a statement of peace that every person that comes with me mm. has to sign saying that they're going to act in a christ-like manner so, at all times so, so but so how, how many people are actually going to be standing outside this this clinic do you think well it, generally it starts off small it, you know in, it started in america about eight years ago with a couple of people is it is it just you no it's not okay no no it's not me five ten um well bear in mind ian that it's 24 hours a day for 40 days what we don't want is 50 people on at midnight tonight and then no one else for the rest so we're spacing out how how many well ideally we want a minimum of two people round the clock for the 40 days and it will grow as momentum takes place and it's now we're only just one of 316 locations around the world doing this at exactly the same time if it's just two people at a time it doesn't sound very as though very many people care about it or agree with your argument well i'd say that um it's more like not many people care right there's a great problem in milton Keynes. we've got 120 churches surrounding that uh, abortion clinic in the amount of apathy mm. is is it's tangible and i feel called by god to break the harmony that's existed for those mm. years that the clinic's been there in the center of acorn house surrounded by those 120 churches i'm calling on the body of christ surely there's mm. at least a few people in each congregation that can feel loves christ as much as i do that to join us is it apathy or is it that these people think you're wrong and actually abortion is okay and acceptable well you've got a good point um i I believe in my extensive experience of doing pro-life work pretty much full-time as well as train driving um that i found that it's mainly apathy Uh, a lot of it is um church leaders not wanting to upset their congregation however if they manage to uh, just do some simple research you'll see that abby johnson's book which is a bestseller in mm. uh, worldwide now she's a former abortion clinic worker mm. in one of the 69 abortion um managers that we've converted to christianity she says in her in her book that um a 40 days for life um vigils killed killed her with kindness mm. um and and she said that she 30 percent of the people that um have abortions are christian and they go into the clinics and put their legs in the stirrups with a rosary in one hand and a bible in the other it's a big problem 
what I don't understand is... Uh, OK, let me ask you this first of all. Do you think that, that abortion is ever justified? No. What about in situations of rape? The woman's uh, been forced to have sex. She's pregnant in the most hideous, awful circumstances. Well, why would she want that baby? Well, why not? It's her baby. But it's not and her baby. It's, it's not her baby. It's, it's, a, it's a, a situation that's been forced on her in probably an aggressive, unpleasant manner. Why would she want any reminder of that situation taking place well there's a few there's a few points you've said already that uh, she's got this baby and whose baby is it so she's already a mother you well, can't but change not, you, that but you, you cannot but you, you at what point does the fetus become a baby that's that's a, well an interesting... science has caught up now secular science has caught up with a bible that said from from d- day one that um life begins at conception and we know that for a fact well, and, that, well we, we don't but it's not a baby though is it oh well it is it's just that's what we all look like um right. even me at that at that age can i say on your on the website the 40 days for life website yeah uh, there's a quote at the front. It says, "If my people who are called from the Bible, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and mm. turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven." You're saying that people who have abortions are wicked. I didn't say that. Well, that's um, the quote that's on the website. Your website. No, that, that's a quote from I believe Corinthians. It's yeah. a wonderful quote about. But it's, the, that, it's it's on the Forty Days for Life website. You click on the homepage. Yeah. That's and so the implication is, you are calling people who have abortions wicked and sinful. What that is, is it's, it's saying that the shedding of innocent blood is crying out to our God, like the story of Cain and Abel. Yeah. The it's shedding wicked. of innocent blood is a wicked thing. So you're, calling, you're saying that the, 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 the women who have abortions, even if they've been through a hideous situation like rape, they are wicked. It's the most wicked act to do to a baby. Okay. We've got, uh, on the line, we've got uh, Claire Murphy, who is from uh, BPAS, which is the abortion clinic in Milton Keynes. Good morning, Claire. Good morning. Claire, what do you make of what you've heard from Andy so far? Yeah, well, I, in some ways, I, I think it's you know quite heartening that um, that obviously so few people are, are going to turn out to to join Andy, and that by and large, religious leaders around the country accept that um, encouraging people, whatever their views on abortion, to hang around outside abortion clinics, um, basically trying to distress and intimidate pregnant women, isn't a particularly moral um, act uh, to to undertake. So. You know, I think at that level, it's it's um, it, it's quite encouraging. You know, I, I do find it very sad that Andy thinks this is this is a um, appropriate thing to do. I mean, in, in our experience, um, however small these demonstrations are, it simply causes extra distress to women on what, for some women, is already a, a very distressing day. So, Andy, you said you said it's going to be a peaceful process, protest, but can you understand Claire's point that some young women, some any woman of any age, could find it intimidating and distressing? to see you there protesting. Well, morning, Claire. I, I want Claire and her fellow workers at, abor- at the abortion clinic in Acorn House to know that we're actually praying for them. There's no animosity there. We're but, reaching but, out. But just the point, though, that, that if you're, if you're a, a younger, so you're a 16-year-old girl going for an abortion, it's already an intimidating experience to then have protesters outside basically saying that you are wicked. That's going to be horrible for that poor girl, isn't it? Well, it would be, but the fact is uh, that we're not wicked and you're... No, but, no, but you're saying that they're wicked. Well, we're not doing that at all. We're actually... Your website's saying it, Andy. Well, no, it doesn't. If, if any, Why has it got go... a quote calling people wicked on the front of an anti-abortion website, it's, then? It's a, it's a quote from the Bible. Yeah. If people do a Google search for Today's for Life, Milton Keynes, they'll see, themselves, see for themselves. And I just quoted Abby Johnson's book, who is, yeah. like Claire, an abortion worker, killing babies for a living. Well, no, that's... I, 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 I'm not going to let you say that. I think that's... 
that's quite an unfair thing to say killing babies for a living. Well, it's a fact. Andy. Well, it, it, it's it's not a fact, Andy. It's, it's not a fact. It's your opinion. What are they doing there? It's your opinion. Who's killing these thousand and eighteen babies a year? They're not killing babies, Andy. It's well, your, what are they doing there? Andy, it's your opinion. But it's not. It's a fact. It's and it's not abortion a fact. is a killing of a baby. And it's not a fact. It's your opinion. And I'm letting you have your say, so just be careful, please, okay? Claire, what do you make of that? I, I just think Andy has no grasp on reality, I'm afraid. Um, you know, I mean, the, the, the point is this. Um, women make the decision to end a pregnancy because it is the right thing for them and their families at th- that time in their life. Unfortunately, contraception isn't 100% effective. Many women are let down by their contraception. They make the decision to, to end a pregnancy because it is not the right time in their life to bring a baby into the world. It's, it's, it's that simple. They don't do it because they have no conscience. They do it because they think it is the right thing for them and their families at that time in their life. And when they come to a, a clinic like like BPAS or, or access information from their, their doctors or the NHS, they are coming to, to get information about a very private matter and to have to walk past, you know, even if it's just a handful of people waving their banners and sometimes pushing plastic fetuses into their hands. As I say, it just it just makes what for some women is already a, a difficult day that much more difficult. And I, and, I, and I return to this point. I cannot see how it is moral for a group of people who profess to want to help women to basically stand there and make their lives more difficult. I've got nothing against Andy campaigning against abortion. Mm. You know, good luck to him. I mean, as, as I think, I mean, you know, we, we talked earlier about whether it was apathy, um, his failure to, to rally the troops, as it were, or, or maybe it's the fact that just the vast majority of, this, of people in this country just profoundly disagree with him. I think the majority of these people, and all the polls show this, you know, really strongly believe that women do need um, the ability to make a decision about an, an unwanted pregnancy or pregnancy they can no longer carry to term, that that is the marker of a compassionate society, not standing outside boarding clinics haranguing women Andy? well i think um i like the way well i don't like the way that um claire hides the fact of the baby that you'll never get the abortion workers calling the, the the unborn baby a baby they always term it they play with language it's it's an unwanted pregnancy yeah. well, what is an unwanted pregnancy it's a, it's a baby that the mother needs uh, help and we're reaching out to those ladies uh, Andy, and can, I, can i say we are running out of time and i'm finding this fascinating yeah. i could do this all hour but i'm finding this fascinating i don't think that personally as a man i have the right to tell any woman what she should do with her body and what's what she should do with what's in her body i haven't got that right because i will never mm. go through pregnancy i will never have to have a baby i don't want i will never have that what gives you the right to tell these these women and these girls what to do? Well, I've had so many uh, men come to me and break down, you know, r- 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 people that... You mentioned abortion, and they tell me that um, they, they felt powerless to stop their girlfriends, for example, aborting their children, and they, they mourn and grieve. We've saved 6,000 babies worldwide so far in the but we don't. I don't feel that I have the right as a man to tell a woman what to do with her body. I don't have the right to say, right, for the next nine months, you're going to go through this and have this baby, whether you want it or not. I don't have that right. Well, we need to get a backbone, as the church does. What, and men? Men, yes. We, men need to get a backbone. Me, men need to get a backbone and support these women in a vulnerable position. And we, we're reaching out prayerfully and peacefully but to these women and saying we can help you. Surely we can support them by listening to their wishes and their views and going along with them as best we can. Why go along with a bad decision? To kill a baby is never a good decision. Claire, very quickly, you've got 30 seconds. Do you want to respond to that? 
I mean, I think Andy says it all about his beliefs and his views on on both women and men. And I think your your listeners can can make their judgments on the basis of, of what he said. Claire, thank you very much. That's Claire Murphy from BPAS. Andy, thank you so much for coming in. That's uh, Andy Burton, who's leading the Milton Keynes campaign uh, against abortion. 40daysforlife.com is the website if you want to have a look. Uh, time to get your views. Dear listener, what do you make of all that? Who do you agree with? Uh, Claire or Andy? 08459 455 It's 7.17. It's Tuesday the 25th of September. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. From midnight tonight, members of Christian group 40 Days for Life begin a six-week protest outside a Milton Keynes clinic as part of a worldwide anti-abortion campaign. A Luton businessman's been jailed for four years after being caught arranging sham marriages for Bangladeshi men seeking UK residency. In sport at Cricket's 2020 World Cup, England will meet the West Indies in their first Super 8 match on Thursday. Weather coming up shortly with Chris Bell and also on the show. We've been looking at the disruption caused by the controversial £89 million project set to link Luton and Dunstable via a guided bus route. Before 7.30, we'll hear from more people affected by that. BBC Three Counties Radio. Ah, dear, don't forget you can give us a call about any of the things we're talking about this morning. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. You can text as well, 81333, start your text, uh, 3CR. Um, now, we've got uh, a call about the uh, the busway that's happening, Luton Dunstable busway. It's Colin in Biggleswade. Good morning, Colin. Good morning, Ian. Colin, what, what do you make of this, this, uh, this busway? Well, I've actually travelled on the Cambridgeshire one. I'm, I'm a railway enthusiast, but I thought I'd go and have a go, see what it's like. Right. And I found that although it's tied up in city traffic in Cambridge, on the busway itself, it's fast, it's comfortable, and busy. The The original idea was that they'd have, uh, it was, I think, six buses an hour. Well, they've now got nine buses an hour each way right. on this route. In the days when the train ran, it was one train every two hours. Now, I found that, you know, it was a good, comfortable ride, and they've built it expecting to have a new town built at uh, Oakington that hasn't happened. So, despite that, it's a very busy route. Why were you against it initially, Colin? I won't claim to be against it. Somebody's got to pioneer these things, and I wanted to just see what it was like. Yep. So I went over, had a ride on it, and was pleasantly surprised. Okay. So you think it's you think that the, the, the Luton Dunstable one is an equally good idea, even at ninety million pounds? Uh, I, I I can see some problems with it. Yep. But the fact that it's running through between Luton and Dunstable, where you've got a very busy five oh five. It's going to fr- provide a fast route between the two places. Now, my own preference would have been, as they were planning in 1990, my preference would have been to reinstate the train. Mm. And it, it only got uh, stopped by privatisation. If you went to Bedford Station and saw the trains there, where they were winding through the destination blind, the trains were provided, the 20 of them were built, and they had the destination Dunstable on board. You saw it going through on the blind. Mm. Now, it got that close to being completed, and it was only privatisation that stopped it then. And in that respect, I, I've not got a great deal of uh, uh, confidence in, in politicians. There we are. Who does these days, Colin? Thank you very much. Colin and Biggleswade there. Cambridge Busway works. 
He's all for it. What about you? This Luton to Dunstable Bossway. Good idea? £90 million. Pounds. It's a lot of money, isn't it? Now, I am sleeping in a separate bed for my wife at the moment. Because I'm, I'm getting up at silly o'clock to come here and uh, entertain and indeed educate you, dear listeners. And it's my pleasure to do that. I'm not complaining in the slightest. But my wife has kicked me into the spare room. Uh, and at first I was a bit, oh, really? That's not fair. But now I'm really enjoying it. And I was wondering if you slept in separate rooms and how had it affected your marriage? Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. Karen's in Bedfordshire. Good morning, Karen. Good morning. Do you sleep in separate rooms? Oh, I don't know, but, oh. but I think you're going to live longer because I know a couple, they have never, ever slept in, a, in one bed, yeah. ever. Now, he passed away at 89. Oh. He's still going at 92. Fantastic. And I attribute their longevity to a good night's sleep. They've never had a disturbed night's sleep because, of course, she never rolls over and hits him. He never hits her. They've got four kids. So at some point they've had to so, be Something was happening, yes. Yeah. But they've got into separate beds. All they're married like they also have separate chairs. They never had a sofa. Oh, doh! So separate chairs. That's genius. She sat in her armchair. He sat in his. They read a book each. No television. I like this, That's Karen. Can I, without prying too much, can I ask? Do do you have a partner in your life at the moment? Unfortunately. Well, actually, fortunately, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and is is that through choice? Um, never got round to it. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> never got round to it. So you don't have the problem. So you you do you sleep in your own bed anyway? Yeah. So hopefully, I'll live till I'm ninety-two. You could do, <laughs> Karen. Thank you very much, Karen in Bedfordshire. You can live longer if you sleep in separate beds. It's it's scientific evidence. Now, the Luton Dunstable Guided Busway, we've been talking about it all morning, it's costing £90 million. The council says it's the first guided busway in the three counties and it will reduce traffic in congested areas. Well, when building work started on the busway last year, BBC Three Counties spoke to Chris Pine and Colin Brown, who both live in the Luton and Dunstable area. Chris was negative about the busway, Colin was for it. Well, how do they feel now, a year on? Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. Chris, what's your opinion? You were negative. What's your opinion about the bus at the moment? Well, I still, my opinion hasn't changed at all. And in fact, I think you said it was £90 million. I was told it was £80 million. So that's an increase of £10 million already. And I just feel that really for what it's doing and what it's achieving, it's an awful lot of money for very little. But it's going to make Luton an exciting place, isn't it, Chris? It, we're, we're innovative. We're, we're pushing technology here. Well, it is, I suppose you could call it innovative, but from what I've seen of it, and it's obviously currently being built, as you quite rightly say, is that there's very little of it that seems to be on the guided bit, and there's quite a bit of it that actually goes on the normal road. Mm. So I can't really see how it's going to really cut down congestion that much. Colin, you're a Luton resident, and uh, you were for the busway when we spoke to you last year. Still for it? I think I've, I've I've yet to see anything which changes my opinion dramatically. I still believe that most businesses you know, require some kind of infrastructure, you know, decent decent public infrastructure and public transport network. And um, yes, there has been a bit of disruption. I've experienced that myself. But um, I, you know, nothing that isn't usually caused by by large scale infrastructure projects. And I think again, this, again, the money is coming out of central government. It's not necessarily coming out. of uh, the loots and purse of some of a small amount of will be, but some. I think the proof of the pudding is going to be in the eating when it opens, and uh, and we can we can see whether it makes a difference to the traffic. And Colin, do you think this busway is going to be a delicious pudding? <laughs> Colin, 
we've lost Colin there. Well, there we go, Chris. It's, 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 it's just you and me now, Chris. Colin. Oh, Colin, are you still there? No, nope, we've lost you, Colin. There we I go. Think, I uh, mean, look, I agree with Colin insofar as we need a decent public transport. That I do agree with, OK? But I just think this has been ill-conceived and there's lots of buses running. If you look at them, they're, they're more or less half empty most of the day. All yeah. right, bus hour, they're, they're quite busy. But I do seriously feel that this was based upon plans that were done sort of 15, almost 20 years ago, and of course the town has changed dramatically since then. We've been, t- uh, listen, Chris, we've been told that it's going to help the, 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 the notoriously heavy traffic spots around Hattersway and Church Street. That's got to be good, hasn't it? Well, of course it is, yeah, I, I agree. You know, if it's going to do it, then it's going to do it. But I think most people that I've spoken to, despite this, <clears throat> especially if they're going to the airport or somewhere like that, are still going to travel by car. Mm. And it's the car is obviously still more convenient, and I just feel that this is just... It's just been an ill-conceived plan, personally. That's my own personal opinion. Chris, listen, thank you very much. No doubt we'll speak to you again uh, as this goes on. And, Colin, thank you very... It's going to look like a conspiracy now. All of the conspiracy theories... Oh, the blooming BBC. They had one person on in support, and then they got rid of him. His line dropped off. It wasn't us. We didn't do anything. If you uh, think that this, this busway is a good idea, could you give me a call, please? 08459 455 555. You'll jump straight to the head of the queue, I promise. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still lots to go on this half hour of the show, uh, including the most offensive word in the world. No, not that one. Apparently it's pleb. We'll be talking about that uh, in a little bit. Uh, more on separate beds. Also, I really, I'm really keen after we had uh, the uh, anti-abortion protester in the studio to get your opinion on it. Um, what do you think? Is abortion murder? Is it killing babies, or is it helping a situation that could otherwise be untenable? Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. I've got some interesting texts. Um, let's just quickly do some of these. Alan in St Albans says, I still, in remembrance, remember my child that my girlfriend aborted, brackets, killed, 20 years ago without telling me. I like to think the child was a girl called Jessie. Abortion is murder. Mark in Bedford disagrees. Religious dogma should be kept out of the abortion debate. This same dogma prevents millions of women in Africa using contraception and protecting themselves from AIDS. Sue says, I agree with Ian, it has nothing to do with churchmen, politicians and do-gooders. What did that man mean by them women? I think in his mind he has branded them loose and in need of uh, his kind of hectoring care. Well, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. And Claire says, uh, women do not go into abortion lightly. What about women who are carrying a baby who have a disability and would be delivered stillborn? What about those pregnancies that would cause so many problems the lady could possibly become so ill just by continuing to carry a child? Let's say we stopped abortion. Would he personally fund the future of all those children? That's from Claire. It's a very emotive subject uh, and keen to get your views on it. For or against, uh, 08459 455 555. Uh, Claire is in Milton Keynes, is on the line. Good morning, Claire. Hello. Well, what did you make of, of Andy and his views um, uh, about abortion? Uh, he's made me seize, to be honest. Really? Why? Uh, because I've been there myself. Um, and everyone's entitled to their opinion. You've had an abortion, have you, Claire? I have, yes, right, yeah. yeah. Um, it was a long time ago now, but, uh, at the time, I was not well myself, as in I've had mental health issues myself, um, and 
to actually have gone through with it would have been bad for me and it would have been a really bad situation for the baby as well it wouldn't it would not have been born into a good situation for a start um i was actually on contraception at the time and i believe claire claire the uh, lady that you had on earlier she was from from, from BPAS, the abortion yeah, clinic in Milton you know, Keynes men- yeah. mentioned that a lot of people you know use contraception and it doesn't work for them or that's what happened to me so it's not like i sort of you know ended up Claire, can I ask, how long did you spend thinking about the abortion, weighing up the pros and cons and deciding what option to take? A long time, as much as I had. I mean, again, you know, you only have so long that you can do that for, but um, before you you wouldn't be able to have an abortion anyway. But I spent nights crying, you know, crying my eyes out because it's not a nice thing to do. People mostly don't go into it lightly. It's not a pleasant experience when you go, if you go through with it. It's um, and it's something you have to live with for the rest of your life. You know, I think him saying, "Oh, people killing babies," that's it's very harsh. I mean, for a start, if you look at it, it's, when they call it unwanted pregnancy and fetus and all the rest of it, all the words terminology for it, um, their ha- a heartbeat doesn't start till several weeks after conception, so it's not actually a baby from conception. Um, you know, the nerve nerve system doesn't start up until however many weeks on. So to say it's actually, you know, killing babies from the word go, yeah. I think is very, very, you know, strong way of putting it. Claire, can I ask, how long ago did this happen? Uh, oh, God. <laughs> I was 18. I'm 36 now. Okay, so, so 18 years ago. And, yeah. And um, I, was, you... I was in a long-term relationship as yeah. well. It wasn't like, you know... <laughs> do you still do you still think about it? Does, does it course. still come up in your, your mind? Course. Yeah, absolutely it does, yeah. And know. how does that make you feel? I mean... I, I wouldn't say, I don't feel guilty for it because I still know that it was the right decision. However, it's still very upsetting and emotional to think about, you know, obviously. It's not, there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about it. But uh, ultimately, I know it was the right thing to do, you know. There was, uh, looking back as well, there is no way that it would have been a, a good thing to do to, to bring a baby into the world at that and uh, finally, point in Claire, time. You're going, you're 18 years old, you go going to have an abortion, it's, it's, it's preying on your mind. You say you had mental health issues anyway. Yeah. If you'd have walked into that clinic and had to walk past protesters, yeah. how would that have made you feel? It, it would have been horrible. It, absolutely. It's a horrible enough thing to, and, and as you say, to, to have the courage to even to go and do that in the first place. Obviously, you can go there for advice first anyway as well. To, to, judge, to judge young girls and women going there to do that, it, you know, these people don't know the women and girls' situation for the for the first point that what they're going for uh, you know it it would you would uh, it would feel horrible absolutely horrible it's not something that you need when you're going something like that you, you know you already feel horrible as it is to, to go there and do that and Claire, i mean go, sorry go on finally they're, they're from the church i mean I, I understand they have their opinion but their beliefs are if uh, no sex before marriage no contraception so if if you're from the church and believe in all that thing, then fine, maybe apply it to, to people that actually practice that religion, which presumably wouldn't necessarily get in that situation in the first place, but to apply it to everybody that doesn't necessarily practice their religion, that religion, and, and that's their choice, and why should they be made to feel horrible for doing something? Claire, thank you very much. Claire and Milton Keynes there with uh, her story. 08459 455 505. You can text in as well. 81333, start your text 3CR. We've had lots of texts uh, about the, the busway. Uh, Phil says, I'm still attached to Dunstable, even though I no longer live there. I know of local people who suggested to David Cameron that the project should be abandoned due to cost when Cameron asked the country for ways to save money. The reply from Downing Street was that the project was passed the previous day and could not be backtracked. Dave the Thatch says, I hope the extra cost of the guided busway is paid by the councillors, as they're the only people that want it. David and Luton, busway, load of rubbish. 
Council should have given the old rail line to a preservation group. They would have done it up and run steam trains on the route and it would have raised the profile of Luton bringing tourists in. I should just say very quickly, Friday the 5th of October. It's Beatles Day at BBC Three Counties Radio. Yeah, you know it. Gotta love them Beatles. We're celebrating the 50th anniversary of the release of their first single, Love Me Do. Uh, keen to get your memories of the Beatles. Don't phone me, but send us a little email. 3cr at bbc.co.uk. Put the subject heading Beatles Day. And uh, just tell us, maybe you met the Beatles, maybe you saw them in concert, maybe you've got a memory of buying their records. 3cr at bbc.co.uk. And the best ones will be part of the Beatles Day on Friday the 5th of October. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, I'm going to play a slightly dangerous game here. I want you to just, just close your eyes if you can. And just try and imagine and think of the most offensive word you can call someone. No, not that one. Oh, no, not that one! Oh! No, it's pleb! Well, apparently it's pleb. This is the sticking point in the row between politician Andrew Mitchell and the police. The government chief whip is accused of swearing at the police and calling them plebs. And it doesn't seem to be the swearing that's the problem. It's the pleb. He continues to deny the accusations. But today, the Telegraph, uh, the, in the Telegraph, the official police log of the confrontation between government chief whip Andrew Mitchell and officers uh, in Downing Street has been published. And if we believe that, then it's, uh, it would seem that he did say that. Edith Hall is a professor of classics at King's College University in London and joins us now. Good morning, Edith. Hello. It's a long time since <laughs> I've heard the word pleb. And I had to look it up again just to make sure I had it, the, the, the correct definition. But what exactly does it mean? Well, its original meaning is, is um, a, a technical term in terms of the Roman Republican Constitution, which was, di- yeah, which was <laughs> divided into the people who ruled, who were the Senate. And to be in the Senate, you've got to have owned land. You've got to be rich. You've got to be a landowner um, and inherited it and been from a, a, you know, what we call a posh family. Um, and the plebs who didn't and were poor and were peasants and um, didn't have very many political rights at all. And for 500 years, the Senate and the plebs, who it's a collective word for all of them, um, you can call somebody a, a pleb as well, but as a whole, it's like the Senate versus the plebs, they fought and fought and fought because um, they, they didn't have any power. It was a um, raw class struggle, and it actually helped to lead to the fall of the Roman Republic and the Empire coming in. You're fantastic. Am I? You Thank are. You. I can listen to you. I, I love all this stuff. I can listen to this for ages. Yeah, well, ancient history is just amazingly exciting, and, and, and people who, who, who don't get that we had lots of experiments in, in, in different kinds of freedom um, under, you know, before, before Christianity. <laughs> it was very exciting. Um, but People, I mean, there was a very famous case of uh, two boys, two brothers called the Gracchi, who were posh boys, but they tried to help the people who were starving and, and get land reform through, and they ended up assassinated. And they were called the tribunes of the people, which meant they were trying to be their mouthpiece. Yeah. That's why you get left-wing newspapers called the Tribune. Oh, I see. Because they're, they're saying we're the mouthpiece of, of the plebs. Um, so we've it, not, we've not had plebs in Britain since 1832, because in 1832 we had the Great Reform Act, which gave most men the vote, yeah, regardless yeah. of their money. Um, I suppose women stayed plebs until... <laughs> but is, is plebs still an offensive word? I am surprised that it, it's yeah. created this much furore just well, by yeah. him using it, if he did. Which he, That's because you didn't go to public school, did you? No, I didn't, no. no. exactly. Now, if, you be, if you'd been to <laughs> rugby school or Eton or any of those schools, you would be force-fed Roman history, because I'm afraid it's one of the unattractive things about classics is it's been much, very much the right wing have stolen it, when I actually think it's really 
exciting for everybody. Yeah. Um, and they all sit around calling each other proles, uh, not each other, if there's a poor scholarship boy, you know, at rugby, yeah. he gets called a pleb because they all pretend they're playing Roman Republic and Senate versus the... <laughs> They'll pretend they're playing Roman Republic? So yeah. What's wrong playing the A-team? No, no. <laughs> no, no, they still do. Well, at least he did. You see, he was born in, in what, um, the early 1950s. Yeah. And they absolutely, I've, I've, I've checked. I know a lot of people. Um, I do know about this word because I used to teach at Oxford, right, before I taught at London. And I taught a lot of Etonians and I taught a lot of boys from rugby. Um, and this is absolutely still part of the um, insult equipment there where you and i would probably you know expect someone to say chav yeah yeah or oik or moron or you know um underclass <laughs> you know, they 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 still say that and then it takes on this this also in ancient latin it, it starts as a technical term but ends up using just as a, an insult and you can say someone's got to be in face means they look working class they dress like a plebeian you know they're wearing chavy clothes they um, have got to be in hygiene, guess what, right? Yeah. And I've heard all of these things. But Edith, we're, 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 it's all right for everyone to, to call people toffs yeah. and snobs and yeah. Lord Snooty and stuff like yeah. that, but yet when it's done the other way, it doesn't seem to be so acceptable. Well, I agree with you on that, but you think, think of the N-word. Yeah. yeah uh, if you've never had any power, right, going around calling someone whitey, right, just yes. doesn't have the same clout because the right. white people were the one who had the power. Right. I, I, I don't, I don't uh, accept that. At all. Anyway, if it was just an ordinary guy in a pub, he would just show himself up to be a really insensitive, stupid, old-fashioned person, and yeah. he'd, he'd, he'd say, sorry that you're, you know, such a sad person. <laughs> um, <laughs> the point is that this guy is, is in our cabinet, yes. and he has got the ideological views appropriate to a Roman uh, patrician, they were called, the patres, the fathers, a Roman guy who was trying to stop everybody getting the vote. Okay, yeah. he's got the political view suitable to, to a Tory in 1831 before the Great Reform Act got shoved through. If you read Nicholas Nickleby by Charles Dickens, you find the word plebeian used as an insult because he's talking about that, you know, early 19th century world yeah. before charters and before the proper reforms where only about 5% of the people in this country had any political power. Edith, I have to let you go there because we're running out of time. I'm, c I'm coming around to yours for lunch one day because I could sit and listen to you for hours. I heart Professor Edith Hall. Thank you so much for that. 7.46, it's Tuesday the 25th of September. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A six-week-long anti-abortion demonstration by Christian group 40 Days for Life begins in Milton Keynes at midnight tonight. Police have arrested a second man in connection with the murder of Hatfield man Darren Leonard. And in sport, Milton Keynes dons host Sunderland in the League Cup third round tonight, while Luton visit Tamworth in the conference. The weather for beds, hearts and bucks. Sunny spells at first, rain later. Top temperature is 16 degrees. And coming up, at midnight, protesters are planning to stand outside abortion clinics in 316 locations worldwide, 24 hours a day for 40 days. After 8am, we'll hear the Brook Clinic in Milton Keynes, who specialise in support and information on sexual health for young people. BBC Three Counties Radio. I love them Beatles. Oh, I'm getting out my Beatles box set later on. I'm having a little bit of that. Now, we've been talking on the show. Uh, what a lot of light and shade this morning, isn't it? Thank you so much for taking part. Uh, we've been talking on the show about sleeping in separate beds because my missus has sent me to the spare room. Uh, and at first I was a bit, oh, no. But now I'm like, oh, yeah. 
It turns out it's a positive thing. Do you sleep in separate rooms or separate beds? Well, Pam and Mac do. They live on a canal boat in Cosgrove. She sleeps in a separate bed to her husband, and they have date nights. Pam and Mac, you're on the line now. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Now, how long have you been in separate beds, you two? Um, yeah, a couple of years or so. A couple of years, yeah. <laughs> uh, and and what, Pam, who's I'm, I'm guessing it was probably your idea, was it? Um, it was a health idea to start with. It was a what? It was a what? Sorry, a health idea. Yeah. Go on. Because I I suffer with a bad back. Oh, that old chestnut. I sometimes yes. need a bed on my own, so right. it started like that. And then it, we found that it was so comfortable and he wasn't waking me up with his snoring and I wasn't waking him up with my snoring. And we found that it worked well for us. Mac, how did you feel when Pam said, look, do you know what, my back's killing me. Could you go and sleep in the spare room? Did, how did that make you feel? Well, it didn't quite work like that. Uh, it was just a matter of her back um, just went all of a sudden. She yeah. wasn't able to move at all. Um, and it just, see, it, it wasn't a matter of a decision. It was one of those things that had to be done. And um, it, we, we've got the two the two sleeping areas on the boat. It just seemed quite logical to me. So no one asked me to do it. It just, just happened. Now, some people, Pam, might suggest that it's not particularly healthy for a, a lady and gentleman who are married, and I'm trying to keep this clean if I can, to sleep in separate b- beds. How do you keep the relationship healthy? Well... Steady. Basically, it's quite fun. <laughs> oh, okay, again, now we've got young ears listening, so be careful. Little, yeah, if he wants to come for a little cuddle, he'll sort of put his arm around my shoulder in the morning, perhaps. Oh, yes. And say, um, I'll meet you later. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then, <laughs> you smooth talker, Mac. And, oh, and, yeah. and, and Pam, has he put his arm around your shoulder this morning? Um, no, unfortunately, my back's playing up again. <laughs> <laughs> but if your back was all right, you, anyway. So, uh, and, and then where does it, who's, uh, this is so delicate, and we, uh, uh, the kids are still in the cars at the moment, probably. Who's, which bed, where, where do you go later? My bed. Yeah. Now, we have two beds on the boat. We have a, a, um, yes. a, a double bed, which is uh, a, a proper bed. Yep. <laughs> and then in the back of the boat, I have a, what they call a boatman's cabin, which is the way the old boatman used to live with a drop-down bed out of the cupboard. Yeah. Um, and that's where I go, in the back, which is c- quite comfortable. Yes. Yeah, he's relegated to the back end. Good for you, Pam. You keep the decent bed yourself. My wife's done exactly the same thing. <laughs> Mac, do, do, do you, as, uh, speaking as a bloke, because I was a, a bit against it when it happened at my house, but now I'm thinking, yeah, this is fantastic. It must be good for you, because you can read, you can listen to the radio, you can play on your Nintendo DS, you can do what you want now. He can go to sleep as well. Yeah, by the time I go to bed at night, I haven't got time for reading or anything. I'm, I'm too tired. But, uh, no, I'm quite happy with it. It's, it's not a problem to me. We've, I've got my bit, little bit of the boat, which is mine. Yep. And um, Pam has the rest of the boat, and the dog has, a, has two or three beds he can sleep oh, on. Oh, blimey, there you go. The, the, the <laughs> dog's involved. Listen, Pam and Mac, you've been good sports. Thank you very much for coming on this morning, and uh, I wish you the best of luck. Across beds, hearts and barks, this... Is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio.
Now, coalition forces in Afghanistan are facing a growing threat from the very people they're supposed to be helping, members of the Afghan National Security Forces. Insider attacks have taken more than 50 lives this year, making it the worst in the history of the war. File on 4 has been investigating whether these attacks reveal failures in the vetting of Afghan recruits. Well, we can speak live now to Commanding Officer Lieutenant Colonel Aston from the Royal Anglian Regiment, who's in Afghanistan now. Good morning! Now, the, Good morning, Ian. The question that most people are asking is, when can everyone come home? How much longer do you think British troops are going to stay out there? And what is morale like amongst them? I think the, uh, uh, the, end, of the, the end of the mission, the, the combat phase of the mission, is widely publicised as, as 2014, and then the UK's enduring presence after that... Uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not really in a, in a position uh, to to comment on on what that would look like. Only because uh, I don't know. What I can talk for uh, talk on is um, the return of the of the first battalion, and we will have uh, we'll have everybody back home after our six month uh, mission by the end of October. Mm. And what is morale like? Because we have been hearing about these attacks from, from Afghan, uh, Afghanistan police and uh, uh, you know, people that supposedly we should be trusting. So I'm guessing the, the, the troops are feeling, I don't know, betrayed? How, how are they feeling? I haven't seen that in my own battle group. Uh, of course, the loss of any soldier, particularly uh, in this type of incident, uh, is tragic indeed. Um, but our soldiers understand that the threats come from a variety of uh, a variety of sources uh, and we mitigate that through our force protection measures uh, and we escalate them as required if tensions are heightened and this isn't the first time um, this has happened mm. in terms of morale i haven't seen a dip in morale because of these uh, type of attacks of course our soldiers uh, are more cautious but what it doesn't do is threaten uh, the good relationship that we have built up with our security partners. Bearing in mind we've yet to see uh, an incident like this uh, in in my district. Lieutenant Colonel, is there anything that we can do to stop these attacks? Because if someone, if an Afghanistani wants to join the security forces and has an ulterior motive or wants to get hold of a uniform... They can. So th- there's very little more we can do, is there? I, I think at, at the district level, down at unit level where I am, we, we mitigate the threat um, by remaining uh, attuned to our environment uh, and the strong relationships that we've got. We've got to understand uh, that these are isolated incidents. Uh, and the reality is, uh, and my first-hand experience uh, in Southern Health is that our Afghan partners are equally uh, as shocked when these type of things happen. Mm. I would agree that more stringent uh, vetting uh, of uh, the ANSF, the Afghan National Security Forces, um, is something that requires um, further consideration. Uh, but that's something for the Afghans to lead on uh, and certainly uh, way above uh, battalion level uh, where I sit down here in that alley district. Mick, let's end on a lighter note. What are you looking forward to most when you come back home? I'm really looking forward to seeing our soldiers come home feeling ten foot tall 
and proud with their achievements and seeing them back with their loved ones. That's what I want to see. Thank you very much. That's uh, the Lieutenant Colonel um, Mick Aston. And there was a slight delay on the line, but he was in Afghanistan, so uh, I, I think we can tolerate that. 08459 455 555. We're talking about the Luton Dunstable Busway. Man, we're, we're going all around the topics this morning, aren't we? I love it when it's like this. Um, we've got Andy in Luton. Good morning, Andy. Good morning. Andy, are you for or against this £90 million busway? Well, I'm for it, but I don't know why they couldn't have made it a dual-purpose thing, a bit like Sheffield. I mean, OK, in Sheffield it's um, uh, a tram, and it's a local investment, but I'm sure there must be an engineering way of putting a, putting a train on the same way. Scheduling the buses between the trains. OK, so, so I, I'm not aware of the one in Sheffield. So it's a tram system, basically. It is, yeah. Yeah, it runs on the streets, effectively, and it has its own own uh, runways in between. Because trams were going to make a comeback. I remember about 10 or 15 years ago, trams were the buzzword, and they were going to introduce them in London, they were going to get them in, and if that worked, they were going to take them all around the country, and then they seemed to abandon it. Do you think £90 million, Andy, is, is an appropriate amount of money to spend on something like this? A lot of people say uh, it's very excessive. Um, well, it depends. I mean, if, if if it's putting money back into the economy by stopping people from being late and giving people opportunities to to go to their places of work um, from a location they would normally no, normally come from or go to, then it then it makes sense. Yeah. Andy, thank you very much. Well, you can have your say uh, on this this morning. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. You for it? Ninety million quid. Think of all the ginsters you could buy with that. It's a lot of money, isn't it? to be throwing at this and it's we've got i don't know how much longer there is another four months maybe another six months it's going on and on and on i drove past it the other day hey hey, hey. you can give us a call on that and also uh, sleeping in separate beds is it helps has it saved your relationship oh eight four five nine four double five five double five you can text as well eight one three double three start your text three cr or you can email three cr at bbc.co.uk another hour of the show to go JVS will pop in and say hello. Talking about the busway, separate beds and abortion. All that and more after the latest news with Catherine Boyle. Good morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots going on in the show. Looking for your stories about sleeping in separate rooms? I've started doing it, I love it. Oh, the best night's sleep ever. And I get to keep all of the duvet. We're talking about the Luton Dunstable Busway as well. £90 million. Is it money well spent? And um, from midnight, one of the biggest campaigns against abortion is going to take place in Milton Keynes. We're asking, is abortion ever justified? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, as we just said, one of the biggest campaigns against abortion is going to take place. Protesters will stand outside abortion clinics in 316 locations worldwide, 24 hours a day for 40 days, including in Milton Keynes. Our reporter, Justin Dealey, has been in Luton this morning. He's been asking whether abortion should be made illegal in this country. Yes, I do, because I believe that nobody has the right to take away anybody's life. Life is life. I absolutely sympathise with somebody who's been raped. It, it, you know, they didn't ask for it, and that's happened to them. But unfortunately, we don't all... You, we, nobody chooses how they come to life. Mm. A life has been formed at that time, and it's a very, very difficult decision. 
it's a very, very difficult circumstance, but that's the circumstance that they found themselves in. And I believe that as everybody goes through different kinds of trials and tribulations in life, unfortunately, that is one of them. And I believe that, you know, you should just have the baby. No, because I think people have the right to choose what they do. So, you know, you can't tell other people what they can and can't do about something so personal. And even if it was to be made illegal, do you firmly believe that there'd be a number of people having abortions anyway, illegally in this country? So it would never go away. Yeah, absolutely, because they did before it became legal. So, you know, it's not going to stop them. There's lots of things that are illegal people still do. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody's got a choice. There's lots of situations where, you know, it was very accidental. People are very young or, you know, it was against their will, that kind of thing. I just don't think you should be able to blanket make it illegal no because there are many situations and it's a woman's choice where she can do what she wants to do with her own body and her unborn child it should be it should be made illegal because in the humanity we're killing a life but where's the humanity for somebody who has been raped somebody who's been attacked where's the humanity there if you want them to have that child well if you wanted to see that should be see that if it's been raped then that should that should uh, seek for help well, the 40-day protest will take place at the BPAS clinic in Milton Keynes. Earlier on, I spoke to Andy Burton, who's leading the campaign locally. I've had so many uh, men come to me and break down, you know, r- 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 people that... You mentioned abortion, and they tell me that um, they, they felt powerless to stop their girlfriends, for example, aborting their children, and they, they mourn and grieve. I don't, yes. I, I don't feel that I have the right as a man to tell a woman what to do with her body. I don't have the right to say, right, for the next nine months, you're going to go through this and have this baby, whether you want it or not. I don't have that right. Well, we need to get a backbone, as the church does. What, and men? Men, yes. We, men need to get a backbone. Me, men need to get a backbone. There, there we go. That's uh, Andy Burton uh, saying that men need to get a backbone and t- uh, pretty much tell their women what they should do. Well, how will the presence of a protest affect the people who are seeking advice and support? We can speak to Steph Crichton from the Brook Clinic in Milton Keynes. They specialise in support and information on sexual health for young people. Good morning, Steph. Good morning. What kind of support do you provide at the Brook Clinic? Um, well, we, we cover a, a kind of whole basis of any sexual health needs. So um, that may very well be condoms, um, chlamydia testing, um, general information around sexual health, but it does include pregnancy testing mm. um, and also referral for any kind of pregnancy choices that somebody makes. So whether it be abortion, continue with the pregnancy or adoption. So if someone, if you wouldn't suggest that someone went for an abortion, I'm assuming. Absolutely but you, not. But kind you, of tell somebody what to do, no, no way. Okay, I'm just clearing that up. But if someone said, look, I'm thinking of getting an abortion, you would help them with the information and where they should possibly go. And of course, yeah. For okay. whichever option she chose. OK. Now, there was a protest held outside your clinic. There apparently. was. How did you deal with that? I mean, and what, were there people outside shouting or waving placards? Or what did you do with it? Did you just ignore it? It was a silent protest. Right. Um, but there was kind of information leaflets giving and they kind of lined themselves up outside the clinic. Right. Um, so it was quite intimidating. You had to walk past them and... Yeah, you had to walk past every in. single person um to get into the clinic and there was about 10 people there um what we tried to do is kind of warn the clients prior to that but it's quite hard because we run a drop-in service Mm. so we kind of just advertised it on facebook Mm. but um a lot of the clients thankfully were quite accepting of it because the most of the clients were just coming in for their general kind of repeat prescription of pills or condoms or you know and they were okay about it but i think if somebody had been attending the clinic and they were talking about a pregnancy option or mm. decision they wanted to make it could be quite distressing so imagine that some people most people brazenly walk in there and it's fine but some people would possibly want a little bit of anonymity and it's, it's a discreet private thing that they're doing on their own so to have people 
outside leafleting that's not going to be very helpful is it absolutely not no um especially with young people because obviously we work with young people under 25 mm. that's almost one of the most important factors to them in making a decision about whether or not to use a service or not so it could very well have been that maybe clients didn't come to our clinic because they felt fearful that somebody would um share information about them uh, attending that clinic mm. what sort of uh, state of mind are the women uh, like when they're coming in to the clinic when they first kind of find out they're pregnant yeah or yeah i'd say a lot lots of um women feel shock and mm. um, they might already know but to actually find out they're pregnant pe- can be a, a bit of a shock and i think generally they just kind of want to know lots of information so they can really make their informed decision um <clears throat> for what suits them at that time in their life for whichever reasons feel right for them mm. Now, this protest is going to take place starting tonight at midnight for 40 days outside mm-hmm. B-Pass. Uh, I can't understand. Well, we, we've had a caller uh, who came on who had an abortion 18 years ago, and it still affects her. You know, she still kind of carries that around. Not particularly guilt, mm-hmm. but she, she still looks back on that time. Uh, and she was uh, 18 at the time. She was suffering from mental health issues, and it was. T- it, it, she said it was totally the right thing for her to do. I just can't imagine what it would be like having being in that circumstance and having to walk past protesters when you're going to do that. I mean, I think I agl- agreed with what um, Claire said, actually, from BPAS mm. earlier, that everybody has a right to their opinions a- around this subject. And um, I think it's fine to kind of voice those opinions, but not to people that are in that situation where it can be quite um, distressing mm. for lots of women and to then kind of um, already protest with them. I don't maybe think that that's the right way to go about it um, because that can be really distressing. Mm. And Andy Burton, who we spoke to earlier on, was, was in the studio, and I think you heard it. He said that abortion is, is the murder of children, that the children are being murdered. And I kind of picked him up on that because I, I, it, it's... There is some debate over at what point the fetus actually becomes a child. Some people say it's from the moment of conception, some people say it's a couple of weeks, some say it's a couple of months. What do you feel about language like that? That, you, that, that, that abortion is murdering children? I think the language that I would prefer to use and that I think is um, supportive um, and it, uh, um, would definitely be to be pregnancy mm. um, because it is a pregnancy and there is a decision that needs to be made whether that's to continue with the pregnancy and become a parent, end the pregnancy and have an abortion or to continue with the pregnancy and pursue adoption. Mm. Um, I think that kind of language suits um, all of the scenarios um, and it's really up to the individual which language they would use. And how important do you think it is for young people to have access to all of these services, your services and BAPs and things like that? Be extremely important it's um it's a, a legal right um yeah. that any woman has um and um anybody ha- can have access to sexual health services whether it's to do with them um, you know reproductive choices or whether it's to do with getting their condoms so they can protect themselves um you know i think it's everybody's right and i don't think it kind of encourages people um to have sex or to get pregnant i think it just kind of gives people the right information so they can make the decisions for themselves about what they want to do We've got some texts uh on this uh the final decision gary and luton says the final decision lies with the woman it must be hard enough for them to go to a clinic in the first place let alone be intimidated by bible bashing nutters well i don't, I don't know if nutters is necessarily a fair word gary uh, Andy needs to get in the real world and stop living his life according to bible quotes 
uh, and uh, this is anonymous. I'm a Christian. I had an abortion. My baby was severely deformed and would not have survived long after birth if it had made it until then. I chose to spare himself and him, uh, myself and him that pain because I knew that any sin was mine, not my baby's, and that he would be restored in heaven. No one who has, hasn't been through this has uh, the right to tell me what I should or shouldn't do. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? That, to me, it would seem, and I have friends who have had abortions, mm. Is it's it's the choice. Every situation is unique. Uh, every d- d- situation is different. Uh, whether it be the, how the baby was conceived, the lifestyle of the, the parents, wh- where they are, and it, it surely it has to be about choice, doesn't it? That's the key thing here. I'd have thought. Absolutely. I mean, that's why the abortion that came into play all those years ago because a choice did need to be available for mm. women so that they could have safe abortions. Um, and I mean, one in three women will have an abortion at some point in their life. They're very common procedures. Wow. They're very safe procedures, um, and you know they are they are available to women. Mm. And also, if it, if it was made illegal, then we go back to what it was like in the 1950s, and it which was a terrible. I won't go into detail. Details, but it was a terrible state of affairs and women died and it, it was an awful place to be. we can't go back to that can we no i don't think so uh, steph if people want to get in uh, find out more about your clinic is there a website or something that they can uh, look at there is they've thrown you on the spot now do you know no no no, no i do okay go on it's um uh, www.brook.org um and then also you can follow us on facebook at brook charity or if you want a local one you can just t- um search you know brook milton Keynes, or follow us on twitter which is brook mk um and then of course you know you can get all of our information from there okay well thank you very much for coming in uh, i should just for the, for the the point of balance and counter-argument, I should just say that uh, Andy, who came in, is uh, from 40 Days for Life, and you can find out information about them and their protest uh, at 40daysforlife.com. That's 40daysforlife.com. Steph, thank you very much for coming in. Very thank nice you. to meet you. Excellent stuff. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Very keen to hear your uh, stories and your takes on that. Uh, moving on, it, flipping and flopping all over the place, but I do feel the need to tell you about this tonight, between 7 and 10.30 uh, on BBC Three Counts. Counties uh, Radio Cup and Conference action with Luke and the three county sports team uh, in the Capital One Cup. MK Doms, uh, Dons welcome Premier League Sunderland to Stadium MK with full commentary on 104.5 and on the rest of our FM and AM frequencies. Listen live via the three counties website. 08459 455 555. It's 8.16. These are your headlines on Tuesday the 25th of September on BBC Three Counties Radio. A six-week-long anti-abortion demonstration by Christian group 40 Days for Life begins in Milton Keynes at midnight tonight. A Luton man who used one of his restaurants as a cover for an immigration scam has been sentenced to four years in jail. In sport, Davis Love has warned Europe's golfers the American galleries will make the most of home field advantage in this week's Ryder Cup. I did not understand that sentence, but I said it. We'll have a full weather bulletin shortly with Dan Holly. And coming up this morning, we're looking at the Luton Dunstable guided busway. The cost, the money, the noise, the disruption, and the continuing traffic is driving some people crazy. Before 8.30, we'll speak to Councillor Dave Taylor from uh, Luton Borough Council about the busway. BBC Three Counties Radio. Right, Jonathan Vernon Smith is in the studio. This is what I have to put up with. Just, just say the the last sentence you said before you went on there. Say it again to the listener. Look at my rash. <laughs> uh, it, it's on his face. Don't worry. What have, what, no, what have, I, I what have you done to yourself? I don't know what's going on. Have you been rubbing your pip? I uh, have. I? 
<laughs> this is my how do you know the name of my cat it's a bit creepy <laughs> it is creepy isn't it yeah, <laughs> yes. don't, don't tweet pictures of your ah. pit hiding behind a cushion then yeah, he was cold the other day <laughs> no i've not been uh no i don't know why i've got this rash oh god it's horrible is it, it contagious it's uh probably i'll come and rub myself oh, against no, you don't. i don't want to touch that it's horrible no it's not contagious it's like you've got a black eye the eye is kind of oh, almost closed up what? Well, it's it's kind of... Is it that bad? It's worse than I thought. You, I, I'll be honest, you look awful. <laughs> I, and I, I mean that as a friend, and I, I think I can call you a friend now. You really look terrible. <laughs> Thanks very much. Uh, uh, thank goodness I'm off on holiday next week, but it's sunshine. Hang on a minute. What? You've just been on holiday. No, uh, what do you mean? You that were was, on holiday a couple that, of weeks ago. That was months ago. It wasn't months ago, was it? It was, because you did the show. That was the uh, first week of July. It's ages ago. you going on holiday again? Yeah. <laughs> Where are you going this time? Frigaliana. <laughs> <laughs> Do you seriously go to the same yeah. place every time? Yeah, same, the, same hotel? Luxury villa. you got a villa? Mm. Oh, well, there you go. Fantastic. Yeah, it's beautiful. Got my, I've got my lilo out the loft while you're sleeping in your loft. <laughs> I got my lilo out the loft the other night, yes. You, you good at pumping it up? Oh, yes. Pump it up in the loft? Very good lungs. Yes, excellent. Lovely. Well, yeah, so uh, next week I'll be in my, uh, in my lilo. Coming up at nine on the big phone-in today, do you support the abortion protesters? Very interesting discussion you're having this yes. morning. Protesters against abortion will start a 40-day campaign tonight outside abortion clinics across the world, including, as you've been talking about, one in Milton Keynes. It's one of the biggest anti-abortion protests ever to take place. They say that abortion is murdering children. But groups that offer pregnancy advice and abortion services say it's just about choice and it's a decision that women don't enter into lightly. Well, from nine this morning, I want to hear your views. Do you support the abortion protesters? Do you think these protesters in Milton Keynes will fundamentally be doing a good thing? Or does it make you absolutely mad? Are you furious that they've decided to do this? 08459 455 555. It's the big phone-in at nine. It's a very emotive topic. We've had some amazing calls and... Uh, uh, you know, both Justin was out and about and got some uh, spoke to some people and lots of people on both sides of uh, the argument. So it should be well worth listening to, J- uh, Jonathan. Thank you very much. Thank you. There we go. You can get out now. Thank you. That's a bit rude. Well, you, you know, you, you were loitering as though you wanted something. I'm st- <laughs> so I thought I'd ask you. Your company. Thank you very much, Jonathan Vernon Smith, uh, on at nine o'clock this morning. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. This is Ian Lee, and the phone number for me is the same as Jonathan, 08459 455 555. You can give us a call. Uh, you can text as well, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. And uh, we've said this before, but we kind of come up with all these news topics and we talk about what's happening in the papers and in the world of news and what's going on in our lives. But if there's something that you've spotted or something that's going on in your life that you think might be interesting that we should be talking about, you can always get in touch and let us know. And um, if it's any good, we'll talk about it. You can call us during the show or you can email us, 3cr at bbc.co.uk. If you just put in the subject heading, Ian Lee, and it's I-A-I-N. I don't mind if you spell it wrong, but let's, let's, let's get it. It's I-A-I-N. We spell it the Scottish way, the correct way. Uh, if you get in touch, um, and we'll have a look and see if it's something that, that we think might be interesting to cover on The Breakfast Show. 3cr at bbc.co.uk. Uh, this is Ian Lee. Should we have a quick look at the front pages while we're waiting? Oh, no, we're going to go to the weather, shall we? There we go. 
Now, how much would you spend getting from Luton to Dunstable? £90 million? Well, that's how much the new guided busway between the two towns is costing. It's the first guided busway in the three counties, and the council say it will help with traffic and congestion. Our reporter, Sophie Solaria, spoke to these people in uh, Luton and Dunstable about their opinion of the guided bus. I think basically it's a waste of money, to be honest, because I think if they would have put a bypass through Dunstable, the normal bus route would have been absolutely fine. And I just think it's wasting money and the money should have gone on a bypass. Because we've been calling for it for about over 20 years now. That is where it should have gone. Because it would have taken all the traffic off the roads. We wouldn't have needed that. The buses would have been fine. It's a load of rubbish. Why can't a bus driver steer a bus? Why did they go to all the trouble of taking up a railway line and dis- or causing all this disruption when they could have done a revamped job on the railway? Tell me how the disruption has affected your life. I can't get round Dunstable anymore. As simple as that, I spent an hour trying to get from the industrial estate round to here. It was absolute chaos yesterday because they closed that road into Luton, between Luton and Dunstable. I honestly don't know why they picked that because the one in Cambridge is a glaring example of just what it is. It's a load of rubbish. It's disgusting. They could have built a railway cheaper than that. I'm disgusted at it. It'll be useless because I've been told it's going to be six pound return on it. What do you think that £89 million could be used for instead of that busway? A lot more than that. To do with housing and repairs and everything. I think it's cheaper. They could have spent money, that money on helping people. Because where's it going to go? To Luton and that's it. Okay, well, joining me in the studio now is Councillor Dave Taylor from Luton Borough Council. Uh, uh, Councillor, you heard there a lot of people against this, and we've we've really been fishing for people to call in this morning who are for uh, uh, the busway. We've only had a couple. Yeah, I think that um, I was sceptical at first, a couple of years ago, um, about the busway. Um, until you look at it in detail, mm. and it won't be the first one in the in the three counties. Actually, the Cambridgeshire Busway has so. been working for over a year now, and I think earlier this year they carried their millionth passenger, so it's exceeded all expectations. We had a call from a guy who said it's always empty, he never sees anyone on it. Well, I, I, I've been on it, um, and it seems to be full. Um, they had to put on additional buses because demand was so high, because mm-hmm. it works so well. It's a rapid form of transport which bypasses all the traffic jams. £90 million. Pounds. That, that's right. That's, that's a lot right. of money. It is a lot of money. Uh, it's a major project. Um, £83 million of that have come from the government. Um, the coalition government uh, called it in uh, two years ago uh, to see if it was value for money, looked at the project, and they said, fine, go ahead. Mm. Without that government money, uh, we couldn't have done it. Is it still within budget? It's still within budget, yes. Yes, it's being monitored um, on a constant basis to ensure that we do get value for money because we simply can't afford to go over budget on this project. In June, concerns were raised by councillors about the spiralling costs. Both Luton Borough Council, Central Bedfordshire Council, already facing a £4 million shortfall Mm. uh, and further exposure to at least £2.6 million. Is this still the case? Uh, that, that is about the case, yes, because there is, there are, there are some funding gaps there. Um, and not forgetting, it is a joint project with Central Bedfordshire. Mm. Um, so we're working together on this. So where are these, how are these gaps being filled up? Um, there'll be additional money coming from Section 106s, um, if what, you know what, what that, that is. I don't that, know that's what a is. planning agreement by developers from Napier Park at Luton's End. Um, and the Duke Minister Estate at the Dunstable end. Right. Uh, so hopefully 
um, that that will that will fill fill the gap. But, but if, are, if it doesn't, other means. If it yeah. doesn't, then are you, are, are you in trouble? Uh, we're not necessarily in trouble because it will be completed and it will be up and running, um, and there are other. Uh, uh, areas of funding that we can look at to, f- so to fund could- the gap. So it's not that we've got to pay up the money immediately. Okay. I mean, if there is a gap, um, we've still got a, a length of time okay. uh, to try and fill that funding gap. But, uh, uh, you know, I, there, there is no doubt there is, there is a short funding gap there. So it could still go over budget then? And even if it doesn't go over budget, you haven't got enough well, money? No, no, it's, uh, it's actually the, 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 the cost. I don't want to go into all the financial details. Okay. But if there's millions of pounds missing, you can understand why yeah. people might be concerned yeah. by that. Yeah, it, it's, it's roughly around six million shortfall we've got at the moment. Right. Um, but hopefully we can fill that in due course. And, I, I, and I'm confident that we will. But what if you can't? You're using the word hopefully. Yeah. You can understand there will yeah. be some people going, well, hopefully. It, yeah, hopefully I'll, it, I'll win the lottery. Yeah. I mean, the busway is being constructed at the moment, and it yeah. will finish, and it will finish on time, and it will finish on budget. But with a £6 million shortfall, potentially? Potentially there is a £6 million okay. shortfall that both councils are working on at the moment. Mm-hmm. We're in partnership with Central Beds, um, and we, we're confident we will fill that funding gap. Would, would things... So I'm sorry to dwell on this, but it is a lot of money. Would other things possibly face cuts to fill that, that, that funding gap? No. You can say no. that categorically? No, no. There are, there are other avenues okay. that we're looking at, such as regeneration money, um, okay. other projects. That April next year? Forward. Is it going to be done by then? April next year, yep. Yeah, yeah, I can't. I, I, you can't tie me down on, on a specific date, but okay. it's the end of April. It depends on the winter, because if you remember this winter, February, yeah, um, we had lots of snow, well, well below freezing. So obviously, you, you, you couldn't do any work. So should we get a mild winter, maybe a couple of weeks of snow, that shouldn't be a problem. Okay, it's it's well on schedule now. I mean, you can see all the. Uh, all, all, all the uh, the work that's been done, oh, all the bridges on. are in place, yep. um, all the concrete's in place. So it's 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 really it's really going well, and it will be April next year. How much is it going to cost to ride? Sorry, how much will it cost to ride on the bus? Uh, normal bus fares, right? Okay, uh, and just very quickly, because we are running out of time. For those people who are against it, can you in thirty seconds can you put forward? the positive argument for this busway why you think it's so important for this area the positive the positive arguments for this is it will regenerate both luton dunstable and houghton regis that's why it's a joint project and i think that when you see the benefits of it it's a rapid transport system and when you look at the 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 the, the, the actual times um you know eight minutes from Dunstable to Luton Airport. Mm. Uh, uh, you bypass, bypass all the traffic. Um, and there's no doubt about it, uh, patronage will increase uh, on, the, on the busway. Dave, thank you very much. That's Councillor Dave Taylor from Luton Borough Council. 08459 455 555. You can have your say. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Plenty coming up in the last half an hour of the show before Jonathan Vernon Smith uh, comes on. Separate beds, busways. Yeah, I know it's good, isn't it? We've we've really have. Can I just thank you? We've really covered all different bases this morning, and you, you've gone with us all the way. And thank you very much for that. If you want to give us a call, oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Now, it's been a week since two police officers were murdered on a housing estate in Greater Manchester. PC's Nicola Hughes and Fiona uh, Bone died in a gun and grenade attack after they responded to a reported burglary. This morning, friends and colleagues will hold a special vigil at the scene of the killings. We can get more on this now with our reporter, James Alexander. James, you're in Manchester, I think. What's happening there exactly? 
Yeah, this is where this morning's events are beginning. This is the police station where PCs Fiona Bone and Nicola Hughes were based. It's a modern red brick building, the Union flag flying at half-mast. And there's a, a neat sea of flowers on the grass down here beside me. It's been covered over this morning with a, a plastic sheet and tethered down because uh, to try to protect it really from the, the rain and the wind. It's a really filthy morning here. The officers are beginning to gather, looking subdued as you'd expect. They've got uh, yellow fluorescent jackets on, still grieving of course the loss of two of their colleagues. This time last week the pair w were, were arriving for duty here um, and this morning now friends, colleagues also members of the public as well gathering to remember these two young lives lost. They plan to walk together to the scene of the shootings. It's a long walk, Ian, especially in the rain like this. It's about three miles away. It's going to be a striking sight, I think. Officers in uniform and local people side by side in an area where relations have sometimes been strained. They're going to set off about nine. Um, they plan to arrive shortly before 11 for a prayer vigil with the local vicar. At 10.58, exactly a week after those fatal shots were fired, there'll be a minute's silence. It's bound to be an emotional morning for everyone. James, all over the country, people are, of course, shocked by this tragedy. How are people coming to terms with it there? Yeah, well, you only need to see the flowers here and also the carpet of flowers that have been left at the scene of the killings to see how deeply this has affected people here. Well over a 1,000 tributes now, most of them from ordinary people, strangers who never knew these two young officers but feel shock and sadness and even shame that they were killed here protecting their community. One week on, these residents say it's still not sunk in. It's so sad. Why did it happen? And you know, now, nah, you know, they, they want to start mm. shooting guns, you know, that's ridiculous. I think it's extremely unsettling, isn't it? You know, that something as horrific as that can happen on your doorstep and do something so evil. But out of that evil has come this very positive, really, show of unity this morning between the estate and the police. James, has it been said yet when the officers' funerals are going to take place? Not yet. The force say they're still talking to the families about what kind of arrangements they want. Greater Manchester Police have confirmed they've received thousands of offers of help from right round the country, from officers willing to give up their free time to come here to Greater Manchester to fill shifts so colleagues can attend those funerals. They reckon every single force in the country will be involved, either providing cover or attending the funerals. Uh, and finally, we know that a 29-year-old man, Dale Cregan, has been charged with the officers' murders. When will he next appear in court? Yeah, he'll next appear in court in November. He's charged with the murders of Constables Fiona Bone and Nicola Hughes. He's also accused of killing 23-year-old Mark Short and his dad David in separate incidents earlier this year. Yesterday, the judge warned politicians, police and the press not to say anything now about this case that could stop Dale Cregan getting a fair trial. He remains in custody in Strangeways Prison. James Alexander, our reporter there from Manchester. The BBC in beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, is there anything wrong with sleeping in separate beds? I've been booted out of my bed, now I'm getting up at silly o'clock, and I've been sent to the loft, and at first I was a bit... Oh, really? But now I'm loving it. Well, in the studio is psychology professor from the University of Hertfordshire, Ben Fletcher. Good morning, Ben. Morning. Thank you very much for coming in. Pleasure. How important is the bed in a relationship? Well, I suppose the first thing you've got to say is every situation's different. Yes. But I do think, you know, couples that 
sleep in the same bed together, stay together. So oh God, I do that's, think that's not a good start. It's a good thing, but you know, you're in an, in an unusual situation. You do get up at silly o'clock instead of sensible o'clock. So. We have had some people phone in who are sleeping in separate beds, and it was it was their lifestyle choice, and they've said that it's actually helped. The relationship because sometimes the bed it can be a battleground duvets and pillows and you've got my side of the bed and turn the radio off and turn the light off all of this goes on or is that just my troubled no, marriage no <laughs> i think that's true every situation is different and some couples do you know get on very well together separately mm. but i do think you know um when you sleep together it helps in intimacy i don't mean physical intimacy and psychological intimacy too so it's a good thought kind of thermometer of things and you know i think the thing in a situation uh, like yours and other people's is if it's a change in state you know if you start to sleep apart mm. that potentially does signify something and you know you need to do something to bring the relationship back together again perhaps because you know if there's no reason i mean there are snorers heavy snorers there are all sorts of reasons that people need to sleep in separate bedrooms and uh, but if you can discount those kinds of reasons mm. then it's a good thing if you want the kind of relationships that's close to be close and that means not just uh talking to each other at night but perhaps sleeping in the same bed what effect do you think it can have sleeping in separate beds well i think it, it you know if it, it's like everything if you if you start to sleep in separate beds and you said in your own case you know that's a new situation for you yeah. you've got to compensate uh, for that you know by showing you know being close in other things you know to show some romantic uh, you know signs in other ways and so on oh, to be God. closer in other ways to to show your partner that you love them and so on in different ways and mm. i think okay the bedroom is never the place to start uh, new behaviors so i think it's a good thing to do that outside the bedroom mm. um but i do think you know i would recommend that you make sure that you keep those signs and signals pretty uh, pretty good. I bought her a Chinese takeaway the other night. <laughs> I don't think that's going to quite do it. And also, I ordered it. I ordered it when she was on her way home, and she got stuck in traffic and arrived. And I had mine, and then went to bed. So yeah, I, should... well, I think it might be better if you perhaps cooked a little something. <laughs> oh no, I think that could only make things worse <laughs> if I did that. Uh, it, it, it's interesting, though, isn't it? Because the, the bed does take on so so much significance in a relationship for sexual reasons, and and for as you say, not just physical intimacy, but yeah. for but for other reasons sometimes though can't it be exciting to be in separate rooms doesn't it make it a bit more add a bit of danger or something to it makes it fresh perhaps yeah it can make it fresh but you know you can make it fresh in the same bedroom i mean i sleep with my wife every night and i actually get up every morning before she does because otherwise if she doesn't get a cup of tea wow you know at the right time and i haven't done my physical exercise before she gets up you know good for you <laughs> so. we've got we, we've got a caller we've got sarah in bedford on the line sarah good morning morning uh, you, you uh, do you sleep in separate beds from your partner yeah can i ask why we've got a 14 month old son who has never slept through the night he'll go down yeah. but then he wakes up either midnight or two and screams until he's in with us oh. and i know sarah you can't no, you, that's <laughs> it he's never gonna get out of that bed now <laughs> <laughs> he will but we take it in turns like last night was my partner's night to have him and he's not very well so we've got about three hours sleep i'm shattered and tonight it's my turn but regarding the intimacy you're just so tired it just does not happen <laughs> What's that? What is that? Uh, well, I think children, uh, you know, that, that's a big issue, you know. So, 
I think what you just said is quite a common problem, you know, a problem, uh, a common issue. Um, how would, it, would you suggest that, that a couple would cope with that kind of thing to keep their relationship up? Because it's, it's, it's obviously it's a necessity. They're going through yeah. this. Are there things they could do to kind of help? Well, they show they love each other outside the bedroom. They can't do it, you know, sh- the kitchen. saying wherever. It doesn't matter where it is. And I'm not talking about physical things. Oh, sorry, things. I was. I do nice apologize. things yes. And, yes. and, you know, cooking dinner yep. or doing things that you would normally do. Do something different. That's the thing to get something different sarah do you do you kind of make sure you show each other affection because it is difficult in those early months of the baby we do what happens is um sometimes my mum will have him for a couple of hours at a weekend so that we can just go out and have lunch together and that sounds really boring but at least we're together and we can hold hands and and it's just really nice but come eight o'clock at night i'm ready to go to bed (laughs) i know i know that feeling (sighs) sarah can i can i say i had this problem with my baby You've, you've got to do the controlled crying. It works. We did that. We did that to get him into his cough. But at night, I mean, my partner gets up so early for work, has to leave at six, and just to get some sleep. Yeah. Well, I'm, what you need to do is he needs to go and sleep in a hotel for a week. You need to be strong and do the controlled <laughs> crying. It will work. I promise. It will save your relationship. Sarah, thank you for calling. Best of luck. Thank you. There we go. When, when babies come in. The whole yeah. dynamic of the a relationship changes because when it's when it's two of you, you're the focus yeah. in each other's life. Then suddenly, there's this thing sat over there that that uh, yeah, is getting well, in the a, way. I do th- I do think that's one of the things. You know, not just having a job like yours, but having a baby is a completely different ballpark. Mm. Um, but you know, that's another place where you've got to start new behaviours. I think to mm. demonstrate the affection and the love that you have for your partner because that can drift. Yeah. You know, that's you, the thing. You can take your eye off the ball. You're absolutely right. Uh, and there is, of course, this new phenomenon. Well, not new. It's a couple of years old of date nights, isn't it? Where, where couples, married <laughs> yeah. couples, yeah. maybe it's, things are a little bit yeah. boring. They, they they go out to the cinema, but quite often they'll meet each other at the cinema as though it's a proper little date. Yeah, I would say I'm not sure the cinema is a good thing because you're watching no. something. It's better to talk and yes. you know do those sorts of things. And I don't know, you know, do things like if you don't normally cook, cook something or you're obsessed with cooking well, in the I'm kitchen. Trying, What's you your know, problem, Ben? <laughs> for goodness sake. Thanks. Well, I haven't had my breakfast. <laughs> you mean me neither. Ben, listen, thank you very much for coming in. It's Ben Fletcher, psychology professor from the University of Hertfordshire. It's 8.45. It's Tuesday, the 25th of September. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A six-week-long anti-abortion demonstration by Christian group 40 Days for Life begins in Milton Keynes at midnight tonight. A Luton man who used one of his restaurants as a cover for an immigration scam has been sentenced to four years in jail. In sport... Davis Love has warned Europe's golfers the American galleries will make the most of home field advantage in this week's Ryder Cup. Uh, And coming up this morning, we're looking at the Luton Dunstable guided busway and we're taking your calls on that. There's a 15 minutes left of the show if you want to get in touch. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Always a cracking listen. And uh, on Nick's uh, show today from 1pm... Uh, he has hypnotherapist Christine Black coming in, who should be able to help with uh, stress, anxiety, self-esteem, self-confidence. She won't hypnotise you on the air, but she'll be on from one o'clock and she will be able to... Hey, I used to be a hypnotist. This is true. Years and years ago, I used to do uh, stage hypnotism and could do all that, make people think they were Elvis Presley, forget the number seven, all that stuff. It's very weird. Uh, and, and very enjoyable. I don't know if I could do it now. Um, we're talking about the Luton Dunstable busway. We had the councillor in who says it's £90 million well spent. Does anybody out there agree? 
Roy is in Luton. Morning, Roy. Good morning, Ian. Roy, what do you make of this? A waste of money completely. Oh, really? Why? When I was a bus driver for many years, and I know the venture company, and I used to get complaints from passengers on the way down towards Berry Park, especially on a Saturday. Yeah. What time are you going to get there, mate? And people treat bus drivers like a bit of dirt. They do, yes. They think you're just part of the machinery. And I got so fed up, I wouldn't care less. Where you've got, you had in the old days, you had a railway line there, and all this was new track, ready to go, and neither there they have spent money on new bridges, where there was no need to, and they could have built a little station or platform at Hatter's Way there, by the football ground, this would enable supporters to come down by train. But, Roy, would, pe- would people really have used it? Surely a bus is more convenient, isn't it? No, no, no. You can't run to time. And who's fault is that? People are using their cars. Mm. And the same could like, happen to the busway. So you think that, it's, it, that the £90 million could have been spent better? It could have spent... They could have given some of that money to a preservation society who could have bought a diesel locomotive or, di- you know, diesel cars... Say six coaches, yep. and six coaches will carry a damn sight more load of passengers than a bus. Yeah, but the tickets on a di- on, on a diesel train it would, it would cost a fortune compared to the bus, wouldn't it? No, no, no. They could operate it. You'd give employment to a driver of a train and one conductor, and you could. Uh, of course, you've got to get a diesel depot in, but. Uh, they could run the same prices as buses. Roy, listen. Thank you very much. Fred is in Luton. Fred, do you think the busway is a good idea? Oh, you're there. Sorry, Fred, I had the wrong Fred. Do you think the busway is a good idea, Fred? Uh, yeah, I uh, know. Uh, the busway is a total waste of money, this, that, the other. Now, my point is, I was listening to the council on this morning. Yes. And I've been trying for a long time to find out a reason why this busway is being built. But I think he let the cat out the bag yeah. by saying about the speeding up the transport to the airport. So, putting two, two, two and two together, yeah. I think it's all to do with airport expansion. Oh, this is interesting. Well, there, there, there potentially is going to be airport expansion, isn't there? Yeah, but they keep telling us. I mean, I live under the flight path, and yeah. they keep telling us they're not going to go ahead with it, but obviously they are. Well, I think the, I thought the latest thinking was that, that it's looking likely that they are going to go ahead with it. Uh, well, uh, I belong to certain organisations, and we've been told the opposite. But there we are. What um, organisations do you belong to, Fred? Are you allowed to say, or are they top secret? The uh, anti-aircraft and uh, noise okay. society. Okay. Um, my way of looking at it is, um, I lived through the Second World War, and I think this busway and the construction of it has caused more damage to this town of Dunstable than the German Air Force did in the whole of the Second World War. Okay, well, well that's something. Thank you very much, Fred. Uh, well, talking about this busway, busway it's going to cost £90 million. Uh, and the Luton to Dunstable busway, it's well on, on schedule now, says Councillor Dave Taylor from Luton Borough Council. The council says its eventual completion will ease traffic, which is so bad between the towns, it takes people hours to travel between them at peak times. But will it be worth it? And will it really change our lives? Well, on August the 7th last year, Cambridge's guided bus launched to the public connecting uh, Cambridge, Huntingdon and St Ives. Jackie Grant lives behind one of the guided bus stops in Histon, and she joins me now. Good morning, Jackie. Good morning. How has the guided bus in Cambridge been received by the public? 
Well, um, absolutely diabolical, to be quite frank. I mean, we um, were with it through the whole project from the beginning to the end because we lived right at the bottom where it was being um, built. And we had nothing but two or three years of absolute misery. We had dust, dirt. They dug a hole up eight times at the bottom of my garden, the same hole. I mean, they were... Clearly, in my opinion, dragging the job out. It cost, as we know, a phenomenal amount of money. It was £180 million. Pounds. Absolutely disgraceful. The whole house shook during the process. I had tiles loosened on my roof, which nobody would accept liability for, so I ended up with the bill myself. Um, it's just been an ongoing nightmare. They finally, uh, when the plans were drawn up, we kept going along and looking at it. They put the stop at the bottom of our garden. Initially, when they drew, drew the plans up, they put it up near where the original old railway station was, but it was moved every time we went to look at the plans. And initially, they were single-deckers shown, no double-deckers were shown, but of course, there are an awful lot of double-deckers now. So you feel, Jackie, that you were misled in several Absolutely areas? Absolutely disgraceful. Dave Taylor uh, just came in, and he said it's been very successful. Successful though he's been monitoring the Cambridgeshire bus service. They just had their millionth passenger. Yes, well, I, I will. I will answer that. Basically, um, the millionth passenger. During the very, very busy time, the buses are quite busy. I wouldn't say very, very busy. During the daytime, the buses are used by pensioners, people with free bus passes, to go for jolly days out, which is very nice, to St Ives, Huntingdon and all the surrounding areas. Lovely. So there is that. It has not taken the traffic off the A14, which was the original idea of the whole thing, to ease that congestion. It, in fact, is getting worse and worse by the day, as you will hear on various radio programmes about the ongoing problems they've got. There's an accident nearly every day. It has done nothing about the traffic on the A14, which it was designed to, to, to help with. Plus, the, the service from Cambridge to St Ives and Huntingdon obviously is excellent, to the detriment of a lot of other areas around the surrounding town that have had their bus services cut because of cost. And also, who is going to end up paying for all this? I would suggest that it will probably be the council taxpayer that will foot the bill for a lot of the over, uh, uh, over budget. I just think the whole thing is, is a disgrace. The way they've treated the public and they did not listen to anybody's complaints or worries or care they just went ahead and built it regardless. Jackie, thank you very much. Jackie Grant uh, lives behind one of the guided bus stops uh, that's uh, been built in Cambridgeshire. Well, the Luton Dunstable bus uh, way is costing almost £90 million. But over at Milton Keynes, they're looking at a bus service that will save between twelve to £15,000 a year. Today, they're going to sign a new contract for the trial of a new wireless electric bus service. These buses will be able to wire- wirelessly charge when drivers take a break. Let's speak to Andrew Geary, who's the leader of Milton Keynes Council. This sounds very high-tech, Andrew. Explain it to, in layman's terms for an idiot like me. Well, it is very high-tech, yeah. and, and, and actually I'm not a particularly high-tech person, so, so, uh, so I'm probably as big an idiot as you are, if that's how you want to describe it. What I do know, however, is that this is the next stage on in Milton Keynes both putting into place a sustainable public transport system and also uh, in, in our aspiration is to be a carbon-neutral, low-carbon city. 
but so, so how does it work? Is it what are these electric buses? What's what is it? Yeah, basically, they work on electric technology, so there's no diesel engines, no CO2 emissions, and, and none of the other noxious exhaust gases that come as well. Um, they have an electric um, cell within them, contained within them, as I understand it, and this is as layman as I can get it for you. Good, thank you, Andrew. Um, and they park over what is known as a charging coil, um, which charges, it's, it's a wireless charging system, it charges the cell, and then the bus can go on its route again, and on the route, it drives over some on its way, and, and that puts a bit of a boost into the, uh, into the charging system as well. But, but you can charge the cell. Unlike the electric cars, which people say, you know, you have to plug in and charge for several hours. Yeah. Actually, yeah. these would charge two-thirds of their capacity in about ten minutes. Wow. And this is going to save you a lot of money. Um, the potential is to save between twelve and fifteen thousand pounds a year, not just on uh, just on diesel and on and on other running costs, but also, you know, th- there is a, there is a saving to the environment as well, and that's one that isn't quantified in the cost. So it's a double win in effect. Yes, you save money, but yes, also you're doing you're creating public transport in a very sustainable way. But Andrew, are, are these buses incredibly expensive? Is it going to take you quite a lot of time to make your money back? Well, it's, it's not us who's buying the buses, let's be clear about that. It's the bus operator, but then they charge us. So, yes, in effect, we're, we're able to pay for it. This is a partnership between a good number of people. Yeah. Um, and, and, yes, as I understand it, and I'm not an expert around the finances of this, um, but, as, but as I understand it, um, you know, there is a significant amount of assistance um, from outside to do this as well. Yes, it's an upfront investment. However, we have to recognise in this as well that electric technology in these sort of things is becoming cheaper. Yep. You can liken it to what the mobile phone was 20 years ago and what it is now, for example, where technology moves on massively, and as it becomes more popular, it actually becomes cheaper as well. What's, what's your outlay then, Andrew? What's it costing? Um, I don't know, is the honest answer. Um, the, because it's a partnership arrangement between an old lot of different people. You cannot really quantify what the outlay is. There's no capital outlay for the council. We're not buying the buses. That's the critical part. Um, there is an investment to be made in the, in the infrastructure and the technology. But actually, that is a spend-to-save system that, uh, that you know, you, you invest capital money to save on revenue over the course of years. And, that, and that's the way that local authority does indeed any businesses operate. Uh, Andrew, listen, thank you very much for coming on. That's uh, Andrew Geary, who is the leader of Milton Keynes Council, explaining uh, about these buses that are p- potentially going to save money. twelve to £15,000 a year. It would be interesting to find out what the initial outlay is, though, because it, 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 twelve to £15,000, it sounds quite a bit. It sounds a little bit, doesn't it? But if they're spending millions to start with, then... Um, It's not such a huge saving. Thank you, Andrew. Very interesting. No doubt we shall investigate that a little bit further uh, and see where that takes us. Well, that's it. We survived another show. Nobody died, which is always a good way to end a show. Thank you very much for all of your calls and your texts. I really do appreciate it. Uh, It makes the show a lot more fun. Coming up next, it's Jonathan Vernon-Smith and his wonky eye. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Yes, thank you, Ian. 